Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome again to the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. And I am Taylor of Terror. And before we get too too far into things, I got a couple announcements I want to make. You're good. Um, no. Ah. Okay. Uh, first thing, um, some of you may have heard there was a shooting here in Seattle last week at Seattle Pacific University. And um, we here at the Grave Flop Podcast, we just want to offer our thoughts and our well wishes to the victims and their families. Um, we're not going to waste any of our airtime saying the name of the shooter, but a name we do want to say is Paul Lee, who is the lone casualty in this tragedy. Um, so, you know, we, we send our wishes to his family. And then we also want to throw out the name of John Meese, who is a student at SPU who stopped the shooter. He was able to mace him while he was reloading and he tackled him and, uh, some other students held him down. So, you know, John Meese is a hero. Yeah. And his name is one that needs to be mentioned in this whole thing more than the name of the shooter. And the world would be a better place if we had more people like John Meese. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, uh, just, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing on the news when I was hearing about it. And, um, you know, during the whole, whole lockdown and, and when they announced that he had been stopped and, and, and announced that a, a student had stopped him, um, and just explaining this, I mean, apparently this John Meese, he's just like a model student, um, you know, really good grades, really friendly to everyone. Yeah, he was like a building monitor too. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what he was. He was like a hall monitor, basically. Right. Um, and um, yeah, he's uh, just a, a brave guy. And uh, as much as we all like to think that we would do the same, what I mean, probably a small percentage of us actually would. Yeah. No, you you can never know until you're in that situation. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it just I think maybe adrenaline just kicks in at some point. And, yeah, and um. Like John is engaged, he's getting married. You you showed me their website on the knot, yeah. And we were both saying, you know, it'd, it'd be great just to get something off their registry and just send it to him, just to say thank you for saving God knows how many lives. Yeah, apparently everybody beat us to it though. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think everything like they have uh, a registry at Target and Crate and Barrel, and I don't know about Target, um, but I know that their Crate and Barrel registry is. It's gone. I mean, like, everything is bought. And, Good. Yeah. And um, apparently somebody started a GoFundMe um, bank for them. And they have something like, last I heard, they had something like $12,000 for their honeymoon. Wow. Yeah. That's so, amazing and they can awesome. Go, they can go somewhere for, somewhere for like a month. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you to John Meese and rest in peace, Paul Lee. Yeah. Um, and we hope uh, the, the, I believe it's two more victims. Uh, we hope they. Uh, there was five other victims total, two that I think are still in the hospital. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess there was two. Critical. There was six total, four that were taken to the hospital. Okay. So. Well. All of them. We hope them a speedy recovery and hope all all, all is well eventually. Indeed. And then uh, my other announcement on a little bit lighter note. By the time this airs, which will be Wednesday the 11th, we will be smack dab in the middle of the second round of our Remake Madness tournament. Madness! Um, it's, it's not March, but it's never too late for madness. Uh, we're holding a tournament to determine the best horror remake, and we need you guys to go and vote. 
So go to graveplotpodcast.com. You'll see the post. You can vote right there on the site. Um, we're down to the sinister 16, <laughs> uh, trying to narrow it down to the evil eight. What was the 32? The round one. Oh. Round one doesn't get a name. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, go there, vote. Um, all the number one seeds are still in there. We did see a couple upsets. Um, Amityville Horror overtook Carey in the 3-6 matchup. That doesn't upset me at all. <laughs> but it was a 6 versus a 3, so it's still right. technically an upset. Sure. And then uh, 13 Ghosts overtook something else in the other 3-6 matchup. Yeah, one of the other movies. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter now because it's out. Yeah. So go to Grave Plot Podcast, vote for your favorite horror remake, and uh, once the tournament's all over, there will be a special prize for the winner. Not you for voting on it, though. You get nothing. Yeah. But kudos. We will email you kudos. Yeah. Not not the candy bars. Oh, those were good. <laughs> My mom used to always have those. Stick them in your lunch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then I have one more announcement, which is we were supposed to have an interview on today's show. Yeah. But uh, we just couldn't get the, the schedules to line up. So we were lucky enough at the last second to get a special guest making his second appearance on the show from videogamebreak.net and the Video Game Break podcast. Please welcome Carlos Rodella. Hey, how you doing? Welcome back. Thanks. I'm glad I'm your second choice. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Carlos Fallback Rodella. That's, that's me. That's my, that's my middle name. <laughs> All reliable. All reliable. Uh, you may have heard us on the Video Game Break podcast Couple days ago, week. yeah. When did we film that? We recorded that so long ago. What was that? Um, yeah, you must have had that banked for a while. Yeah, we did it yeah. like I think five minutes ago, <laughs> <laughs> and pulled back the curtain. Yeah, no, thanks for doing that. That was fun. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being here again. Yeah, I like talking about horror. Who doesn't? Except communists. Those and our girlfriends. And our girlfriends. <laughs> oh, you guys throwing them under the bus already? <laughs> they don't listen to this podcast, right? No. no. <laughs> Mine used to, but I think she stopped. <laughs> I think uh, one too many talks about boobs and dicks and farts. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, <laughs> we got a lot of horror business. Yeah. Uh, last episode was our Crypticon special, so we didn't get a chance to get to the horror business. Yeah. So uh, we got a lot to get to, so let's get to it. <laughs> So we're going to take a quick break from fantasy, you know, movies and television and things like that, talk about something that actually occurred here in our world. Um, recently, uh, some 12-year-old girls uh, in, uh, in Wisconsin attacked and stabbed a classmate of their 19 times in order to attack, uh, sacrifice her to the Slender Man. What? Yeah. And it's funny because last time Carlos was on the show, you brought up the Slender Man. I did, and I said it was scary. And I don't think you said it was real, because it is not. <laughs> you definitely did no, not. I know. Jeez. Um, Slender Man was uh, created in uh, 2009. It was a Photoshop contest on uh, something awful. And uh, the uh, member, Eric uh, Knudsen, uh, 
he sent in two photoshopped images. I think they're like kind of old-fashioned black and white images, and he photoshopped a tall, thin man with no features, no facial features, and wearing a black suit, in just kind of subtly in the backgrounds of these photos. So it's a completely false creation. But there are people out there that insist. Well, now it's it's morphed into like he now has giant tentacles that come out of his back, I believe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's this completely far out thing. Yeah, people. You know, did you, of- did you see the guy at Crypticon dressed as Slenderman? I don't know that I noticed that. No. He had like a it was like a green man suit, but it was all white, mm-hmm. and then he just wore a suit over it. Mm. The video game got so much buzz too. I mean, there was yeah, like, it's yeah. Simple, video game now. Yeah, and it was like that's what I know it from, you know. And it was a creepy like you walk through the woods and all of a sudden Slenderman's there, and it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but the fact that someone would take it to the real world is wrong and depressing. <laughs> and the thing is, you know that this is going to put horror in a bad light. Oh, absolutely. People are going to point to this and they're going to say, if this stuff wasn't around, this wouldn't have happened, which is bullshit. Because this is not. A matter of horror it's a matter of mental illness yeah well and plus it wasn't even a horror movie or anything it was just like this guy like you said a contest to make this weird picture yeah so you can't what are you going to condemn pictures then because it's just yeah it, an image right yeah it's a photoshop contest um and it's a completely internet spawned uh creation and um i mean it, it, i think if anything this is an example of how internet buzz has just gotten out of control yeah uh, i mean with things like this and uh and twitter and people like reposting fake shit they see on facebook and just nonsense and people don't research anything at all and i mean it, it leads into things like this where a, a, an innocent 12 year old girl um two of her classmates tried to kill her it's, yeah, they said they wanted to be proxies for Slenderman. Yeah. They're, um, they're even making their own stuff up, too. It's not even like they're going off of any... That's what's crazy about it. Yeah. I, th- I think Slenderman is just kind of... Even though it's very obviously a, a creation, a fictitious creation, um, I mean, there's a name to put to the creator. Um, even though that exists, people start to, to spawn off these ideas and actually... It's like, oh, well, is Slender Man actually real? I mean, maybe he's not a creation. So anyways, that's depressing. And I, I, Did the girl, oh, is it, she didn't make it or she did? No, she, uh, as, as far as I know, she, she's still alive, um, re- recovering. Hopefully those other girls got, like, the the box or something, put them in solitary They're, they're still debating if they want to try them as adults. Yeah, uh, that, that's another thing. They, um, they could potentially be tried as adults. These 12-year-old girls could be tried as adults, and they face up to 60 years in prison. What the bitch? Yeah. Oh, wait. Can we swear on your guys? I forgot. <laughs> Fuck no. Oh, good. Don't you fucking swear. Good. I will kick you in the dick hole. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be hard to do <laughs> and almost impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it would still hurt, but it would be impressive. Yeah. And well, then, fuck those girls then. Yeah, it's... it's. You know what, though? It comes down to parenting. Not to be the really old does. person in the room. But seriously, how do you not see that your daughters are going down this path of Slender Man? Before they go and do this, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you could say they should be looking at their web history, but really, like, just going to... I, I kept hearing the website Creepypasta. I guess that's, like, who is taking over the Slender Man role this day, these days. Sure, but, yeah. Um, 
like you can go to that site and be like, oh, there's nothing here. This is all just fictional stuff. It's no big deal. But yeah, at some point you got to see that your kid is diving into this world head first. Yeah, and I mean the fact that the these two girls um, they had a very elaborate plan. I mean they had planned out like how they're going to clean it up and you know cut and make sure nobody found her. It, it, it's it's insane the amount of planning that went into this. And, yeah. Yeah. And no one saw it coming. Yeah. So well, I think I think people will be messed up, and that'll happen for till the end of time. Oh, sure. You know, messed up kids, but to me, to bring this to a lighter note, is I think that for me, horror and sci-fi specifically too, it, it's an escape. You know, just like something similar to video games, like we were talking about on our podcast. I, I think of it as an escape, not exactly. like an extension of real life. Like, oh wow, look at all that monstrosity. I would like to do that, you know. That's why, unfortunately not popular opinion probably on this podcast, I don't like Texas Chainsaw because it gets too close to real. Uh, when anything gets too close to real, that's when I generally don't like it because it's, it's, I want to go to an escape world. You know, like, Freddy is an escape. You know, even Michael Myers, you know, he's a killer, but he's supernatural because he's got, what, he never dies. Yeah, you know? he's a shape. Yeah, he's something. He's a whatever. So that's what... I feel like I wish that kids who are watching that kind of stuff would see it as just like a it's a fun escape, you know. Yeah. It's like a video game. It's like they need to be explained the difference between right. fiction and reality, and the fact that, like you said, it's it's an escape from reality. It's a way for us to feel, uh, you know, uh, adrenaline rush of being in danger mm-hmm. without actually being in danger. Right, right, and to and to to kind of uh, defend. Uh, your point kind of in a way is the fact that I think that some of the stuff that could be closer to realistic but still horror that maybe I'm not into it still could be enjoyed for that way because then you think of it as like hey now again parenting this isn't what's going on there isn't a mass murder but just go and have that moment for a minute and then come back out of it yeah exactly just know that at the end it's over you're right and like you said what's interesting on our podcast you talked about that because you're dead inside, <laughs> is that you You know it's a movie. It's interesting how you said that, because if you think of that first, and even when it's over, too, I think that lets you digest it better. Yeah. You know, like, I even have to tell myself that sometimes when it's like a really fucked up movie. I'm like, okay, Carlos, so it's just a film, right? You know, which they have makeup, and but I think that helps. It goes a long way, you know? Anyways, not to go too long of a tirade, but I think it, it comes down to parenting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and not to be a Debbie Downer, but I think that that's actually educational to bring that up because parents, you know, look what your kids are doing and also teach them that difference between this is a fun fantasy world that can be enjoyed because that's why you guys do a whole podcast about it, but it's not what you're – you know, it's not real life. Yeah. And, and even uh, then, you're not supposed to – sorry to interrupt, but you're not supposed to – you're not – in a lot of films, it kind of seems like you are, but you're not supposed to root for the killer. Right. You're supposed to be in the, the boots of the victim. Well, that's a whole different discussion. Then. It is. It we're is. Not, we're yeah, not yeah. Into that. But, um, yeah, you're not supposed to root for the killer, and you're not supposed to think, oh, I'm going to, you know, it's not a guidebook. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, it, down, it comes down to parenting. And I, and I know when I was a kid, you know, it was the, the difference between real and fiction were explained very well to me. And uh, and and that's I think today why I'm not a psycho. <laughs> um, but 
just some people don't have the foresight, I guess, and they, like you said, they'd, they'd much rather just blame it on the horror movies themselves rather than the fact that it's 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 just like music or video games or it's a scapegoat or D and D back in the day. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons was like. There's yeah. always going to be a scapegoat. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. people don't want to take responsibility for their own actions. Yeah, it's 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 a, a cover up for a lapse in judgment and in a. Um, People not paying attention to their own children. Well, let's uh, talk about the fiction of it then. Let's talk about the fun fantasy fiction, <laughs> not the reality. But um, I'm, I'm reading a, an updated article here. Um, the the girl, the stabbing victim, has actually been released from the hospital. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. So right. she was released. Um, looks like yesterday, uh, which was Friday the sixth. Um, I guess she was quoted to say, or why, how she came up with the courage and the strength to crawl out of the woods where she was left, you know, into, into a spot where somebody would find her. Uh, she just simply said, uh, I wanted to live. Yeah. Um, her name's not being released because she is a, a, a minor. minor. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So we good wish for her and we, we wish her a speedy recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both physically and mentally, because that's got to be scarring. Yeah. And I say we burn those little girls. <laughs> or at least, you know, do some damage to them. Come on. Jeez. So before we get into the fantasy, we do have one other real point. It's it's also fairly sad. I'm sorry. Oh no, a real sad story. Um, H.R. Geiger. Oh okay. Who was he was quote unquote the architect of Alien. He did all of the the special effects for Alien and Species. Uh, he unfortunately passed away. Oh no no not, not special effects. He was the art designer. Okay. He he basically created the Alien and how it looked. Right. Um. Like like I said before, this is this is kind of old news, but since we haven't done horror business in four weeks, yeah. this is our first chance to report on it. Um, he uh, passed away from injuries sustained from a fall. He was seventy four years old, and uh, he's he's going to be missed definitely. Yeah, I mean it's uh, his uh, ability to create just these surreal things and at the same time be so beautiful and and. and you know, and attracting is was impressive. I mean, I remember seeing a book early on of his, like an H.R. Geiger book. I mean, I obviously knew about aliens and stuff like that, but just the book alone, uh, like you said, it's weird. It was like disturbing and sexual, kind yeah, of, and definitely very sexual. And so it was like I was confused as a, like a young person, like. I think I'm turned on, but that's really terrible <laughs> and gross looking. But it was it was awesome. It was just so incredibly fantastic. You know, that's that kind of fantasy part of it and fantastic. But also, I remember him because he did the freaking cover for Danzig. Danzig, you guys remember Danzig? Yeah, of course. Um, what album is that? We should look it up. They did a cover. Uh, Dan, just look at Danzig cover H.R. Uh, Geiger, and I was like. That's fucking perfect for Danzig. It was Danzig 3, that album. Um, and I love that album, too. I don't know if I it holds up well, because I haven't listened to it for a while. 
But yeah, he did the cover to the album, and that was at the height of when I was like really in love with his art. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fantastical worlds and fucked up creatures. Yeah, and he, he also created. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't remember if you mentioned, but uh, the, the character uh, creature and species. Oh yeah, the one with the weird forehead, the girl creature, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that I feel like that was more attuned to um, his his actual art that he would was known for. I mean, like you said, the very strange, surreal, but very highly sexualized art. Um, yeah, that's that's where Sill from for species came from. So I remember seeing some of those in the books and being like, I don't know. I don't even understand how this is possible. You know, like yeah. how he built the structures of the creatures and stuff. So, Hilly yeah. Mess, then, uh, yeah. yeah what was right. the last thing he did? Like, is it, like, what is the last output of, not to make you go search the internet, which now you are, <laughs> but I wonder, I'm wondering what his last, like, contribution was, you know, to the world of stuff. I know that, um, like you just said, the species, but then. Was after that. Now we're looking it up. Sorry, this is not good for radio. Way to slow shit down, Prometheus. Carlos. Sorry, he Prometheus. Did, he, he did Prometheus. Fuck that's so. I don't like that? that movie, but I like parts of it. And there's some really cool creatures in that, or like humanoids. And I'm sure he had a hand in that. Then Prometheus. It says it. Um, it had stuff that was based on Alien. So it gave it gave him. Well, yeah, because it's that. part of the Alien franchise, right? Um, well, that makes sense because there's some pretty cool, weird spaceship where you have to like sit in it and be kind of a part of it. He loved that kind of. Um, remember Exosens? Exosens? That movie Exosens? Yeah. It's like it's like a video game, but it's like fleshy. What's that? Who's the director? It's gonna make us look bad. Oh, Soderbergh? No, not Soderbergh. It may have been Soderbergh. Maybe. Anyways, the idea of like you know alien kind of fleshy but technological too. That combination. Yeah. I think he did that a lot. You know where. It's spaceship, but it's kind of alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's Prometheus. That's great. That's kind of his last influence. It's hard to take us off track. <laughs> I like H.R. Geiger. He's great. Yeah, he'll be missed. Rest in peace. Okay, now to get into our usual bit of nonsense. Yeah, onto the fun stuff. Yeah, well, sort of. (laughs) Um, Some more news has been announced about Friday the 13th, the TV series. Um, Let's see. I made the mistake of not writing this out, so I'm going directly off the the news article. Um, Yeah, the the article I read said that it, it was going to be focused on Jason and his, and I quote... Wacky family, right? Yeah, that's okay. The Voorhees yeah. bunch. <laughs> so it's, it sounds like basically they're going to be turning the Friday the Thirteenth franchise into like kind of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre type thing, yeah. where they where it's just going to be the Voorhees family is just a gang of just fucked up individuals. Don't need that. No, no, that's bullshit. Like it, it should be him and his mom. That's it. That's the way it always was. It was him and him and his mom. It had nothing to do with. You know, if he had brothers or sisters, we never knew that. Or sorry, I guess it's not not some maybe maybe like a meshing of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 
and also Bates Motel. I, mean, I was just about to bring that up, so I was going to save it for later and put it in my notepad. Oh. But <laughs> continue what you're going to say, and then I'll, I'm going to talk about Bates Motel. In, 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 in the fact that they're going to be concentrating a lot on the relationship between Jason and Pamela um, and their kind of weird thing they got going on. Yeah. I mean, not sexual weird, at least nope. as of as of now, anyway. Yeah, that you know of. Yeah. Um, but, um... Bates Motel goes that direction, though. Have you guys been watching that show? That I, TV show? I haven't watched it lately. I've only seen the first season. There, there was only one season. No, it's on no, season three. Season. Oh. Yeah. Wait. What have I seen? Maybe I have seen it. I can't I've seen, I've seen the that. first season and the first episode of season two. There's, there's three seasons? They're on season three, I believe. Oh, so then I've seen the end of season two. Okay. Because I don't think they started three yet. There's a finale, like episode 10 of season two. Uh, anyways, without any spoilers, I think that, not to do a side note, but that's done pretty well. I enjoy it. I really do. Like, yeah. I know there's at times where, like, okay, we get it. It's kind of, um, it feels a little TV at times. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing, like, a gang that I don't care about, like, a drug gang kind of stuff. But they do enough with, um, uh, oh my goodness. Norman? Norman and his mom that it feels creepy and weird and incestual, but then also you understand his plight more. Yeah. So what I was going to say, and I was going to bring this up later, but I'll just talk on it real quick, is I'm, I just downloaded um, the original, Psycho, because I haven't seen it for a million years. Don't even tell me, because I, I can't even remember really how it ends. I think I know, generally. I know the, the mom stuff and everything, but... I think it's interesting to go back and watch that now after watching the series. Yeah. Because you start seeing, like... Well, yeah, it's like you know a little bit of the backstory from the movie. But so, so, so small. Yeah. But then it's like, so you're watching it, and you're like, oh, I wonder if this is this guy. Right. Yeah. And I don't know how much homework they did. That'd be a whole interesting thing to see, like, how much the guys who are doing the TV show did their research with the original director and kind of looked at, like... Alfred what Hitchcock? Alfred yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even mean director. I mean, like, just all the people that were working on the story behind it, too. You know, like, Hitchcock obviously w- was the creator, but, like, you know, the producer, the people on set, the way that they saw the film coming together. And well, Psycho was actually a book before it was a movie. It was a book, yeah. So I should just read that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'm just interested. I, I think that series does a really good job, and if the Friday 13th can do that direction, even though I don't like that concept, maybe it could be good. I don't know. I'm not counting on it. And uh, it sounds like there's a chance that Tommy Jarvis, who, if Jason has an arch nemesis, like if you can count anyone as an arch nemesis, it'd be, it would be Tommy Jarvis. He's the only one that appeared in multiple films, um, aside from Jason himself. Um, he was in four, five, and six. Um, so, I, I mean, Tommy Jarvis, he, you, he might fall into the final girl category, Except, of course, he's not a girl. Um, he's the only one to have beaten Jason twice. Um, since technically it wasn't Jason in... Well, not technically. It wasn't Jason in, in Friday the 13th 5. Um, so... Yeah, and it also says that um, Jason's father may end up being in it. Yeah. Ooh, apparently his name is Elias. I don't, was that ever mentioned in the movies? Um, I believe that there was a a scene that was cut from um, I want to say six that actually did show the three headstones Jason, Pamela, and Elias Um, I could be wrong on which movie it was but it was a scene that was cut 
but it's it's kind of Friday the 13th lore, basically. That's interesting. It brings up a point that Taylor and I were talking about before, where with horror movies versus like television series, television series, you have so much more time to go into those characters. Yeah. And in a two-hour movie or an hour-and-a-half movie, you're like, you're lucky if you get a headstone shot, yeah. you know? So it's sometimes tougher to get that backstory, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I mean, I just don't know how much of a backstory they can provide because Jason was like, well, like 12 years old when he drowned. Yeah, he didn't have any backstory. Yeah. I mean, and... and <laughs> he died. Yeah. He, I mean, he was a mongoloid kid um, that drowned when he was young, and then apparently he grew up in the woods by himself. And That'll his, fuck anybody up. And his mother didn't even know that he was alive. So... Did he just come home one day and be like, "Hey, mom, back"? Well, no. Pamela was Pamela was out in in the first movie. Pamela was out to avenge him. I can't even remember this. Yeah, I mean, Pamela was the 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 villain in the first movie, and then every movie after that's obviously been Jason. But she was out killing these counselors as vengeance, even though they weren't the same counselors as vengeance for uh, the previous counselors back. 30. That seems like flawed logic. Yeah, well, she's obviously insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> to um, avenge her son for letting letting him drown, um, she gets killed at the end of the first movie. Spoiler alert. Um, and uh, from there, Jason kind of comes out of the woodwork and starts killing other people be, because of, you know, because they killed her, his mother. I can't even say spoiler alert after you already spoiled. Yeah, it that's, that's, works doesn't work that way. I did yeah. it as a half courtesy because yeah. anybody that hasn't seen it needs to kick themselves in their own face. Yeah, that would be oppressive, like kicking someone in the dick hole. We men could do it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Jason Acuna. <laughs> that's interesting. It's funny how that like because uh, Michael Myers did the same thing with that little girl like taking over. At the very, what was it, five or six or something? Later down the road, where that little girl decided to be, like, put on the little mask and become a killer, too. The Halloween series got weird after really five. Weird. Yeah. It became this whole cult thing. Anyways, Revenge is a bitch. Um, do we know what channel this is going to be on? Does I don't it, think does it so. Does have a channel yet? Because it's saying it's going to be bloody. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that it would be... Premium. Premium. Uh, Hopefully. But, like, that's, that's the best place for it. Yeah, I mean, you know... Obviously, um, HBO and uh, Showtime have some space to fill with their show. Uh, they have a. They each had a couple shows that ended. So I mean, I guess those are possible contenders. Maybe even AMC. I would think maybe it's you know lost breaking. Oh yeah, and Walking Dead is AMC. Yeah, yeah, and Walking Dead's got its its fair share. And more, AMC so. actually every year they run. Uh, is that AMC? I'm pretty sure it's AMC. They run um, uh, like a Friday the 13th marathon like every October. Mm. So I could see that as a potential contender. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm not... I don't know. I'm not completely turned away from this, I guess, just because I am such a Friday the 13th fan. But I'm also nowhere near sold on it. So comes down to casting, too, and like you sure. know, who's involved. Yeah. Which I don't think they've made any announcements about yet. It doesn't even have a showrunner yet. That might help. So. Um, but Sean, I mean, as we mentioned before, Sean S. Cunningham, the 
the director of the original film um, is involved. I think he's EP or something to that effect. Yeah, so. executive producer, along with EFO Films principals Randall Emmett and George Furla, Mark Canton of Atmosphere Entertainment, MM, Steve B. Harris of Diversion 3 Entertainment, and Ted Fox of Fox Entertainment. And there you go. So, so. I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch the, the pilot whenever that happens and go, yeah. for, go from there. I'll take it one episode at a time. Sure, yeah. Friday the 13th um, as I'm sure you know by now they're rebooting the reboot they're intent on killing the franchise yeah just one reboot at a time um, fucking Michael Bay fucking Michael Bay it was originally expected to release uh, was it May or March um, ooh good question um I believe it was May 13th, 2015. It has been pushed eight months to November 13th, 2015. You may notice both those dates. March 13th. March 13th. March 13th, okay. And now Um, it's November, yeah. Now it's November. You may notice both those dates are 13th, and yes, they are both Fridays. I get it. We all get it. I, uh... I, I, I don't know how much more I can talk about this. It's, it doesn't need to be released on a Friday the 13th. Like, it's, it's cute. It's clever. We get it. But it doesn't need to be... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy it got pushed back. Because it still has nothing. It has no script. It has a director in talks, but still not signed on. It has nothing but producers and a name. Yeah. It which just show goes to show what I think it's actually uh Adam Green and actually Adam Green and Joe Lynch have talked about several times on the Movie Crypt podcast. The fact that these studios they get name licensing and they are intent on using it, whether or not it makes sense. Whether it's not whether or not it's a good movie, they just bleed it dry. Yeah, it's just like we've got the we've got the name. People will pay for the name. Just some suit somewhere going like, yeah, we could sell that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ad, uh, Adam Green talked about um, Rosemary's a, Baby. Well, no, a studio wanting him to come in and talk about um, an Amer- uh, American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah, remake with no werewolves. They wanted to make it more like a race. It's just the American. Yeah. He's in London. That's it. Well, no, and they wanted the characters to be two female backpackers. Oh, okay. And are there lesbians, too? Is there a lesbian scene? Because that Probably. sells. Probably. Yeah. Um, so it's two lesbians in London. Yeah, they didn't want any werewolves. They wanted it to be more like a 28 Days Later kind of rage virus type thing. How many more rage virus movies can we get? That is really popular Until right Until people stop paying for them. That's, yeah, I that's know. That's how many. I know. But, um... So yeah, this is still planned to be a reboot of the reboot. It's right. not It's not going to be a sequel. But the good news is it will not oh, be found there's, footage. There's good news. Yeah, that, that, is, that is good news. Um, and I can only assume that's a big contributor to the, why they pushed it back. 
It's like, oh, we can't shoot this movie in two days? Yeah. We, we can't phone in the plot? Oh, we better push it back a little bit. When's the next Friday the 13th? Yeah. Which, by the way, is next week. Fun fact. Is it? Yeah. It is. I'll be goddamned. I was about to film something or do something on it, and I was like, eh, maybe not Friday. I have a, like, uh, have, have, have any of you ever, ever experienced something bad, though? Ever? No. In your life? Ever? Never. No, I yeah. actually have good luck on Friday the 13th. <laughs> nice. Here's our new spin on Friday the 13th. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably because I'm such a big Friday the 13th fan that just... You're just always in a good mood. Well, the, see, well, that's the, power, the powers that be just like, yeah... This is your day, buddy. <laughs> not to get too meta, you, Tony. Not to get too meta, but it's about energy, people, and it's what you put out there. And you're like super psyched on Friday Thirteenth, so fucking great shit comes your way. Uh, yeah, maybe. Anyways. Anyways, I hate that fucking term. What meta? Meta. I can't stand. I could. It. I could have used New Age or The Secret. I could have said Secret. <laughs> Hippie bullshit. Hippie bullshit. <laughs> um, I could also use quantum physics because that's a whole other that's discussion. But anyways, back to horror stuff. Um, yeah, I don't want a reboot of a reboot, but whatever. Especially, I'm, I'm not interested. In like this. less than ten years later. Yeah, not interested. Stupid. 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 Tony. Stupid. Stupid. Consensus. Stupid. Consensus. Stupid. Five, four, three. So, um, New Line Cinema, back in early eighties, the day, back in the day, you know, you know that day, um, they got their start. It kind of built themselves around horror, um, and their kind of nickname is, I think, to this day, is still the house that Freddie built, because obviously all the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films were all New Line Cinema, and um, really shot them into the limelight, sort of so to speak. Um, apparently their goal now is to return to that. Um, to recapture their kind of horror roots. Um, and that is all starting with the adaptation of It that we've talked about before. That was the last time I was here, I think we mentioned it. Uh, it. That may have been the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know we, we talked about it pretty pretty in depth with my with my dad a few episodes back um when he was on the show uh on our Stephen King episode but um yeah so so apparently it kind of looks like New Line Cinema is actually a division of Warner Brothers which I was not aware of um does that sound familiar to either of you no does it to me yeah. I always feel them as a separate a subsidiary of something now. and it's all owned by Pepsi <laughs> or Coke or one of those guys Shine Hartwig Company yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember Demolition Man? Everything in the Future is Taco Bell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of looks like, yeah, Warner Brothers is sending uh, it over to its New Line division, um, and it's going to be developed there, and New Line, I mean, this is kind of said to be, now it's taking a, the, the lead on horror. It's going to be kind of like, almost like Weinstein Company's uh, Dimension brand. I remember as a kid when I saw New Line Cinema, I thought scary. Like growing up, I remember seeing that little logo. Yeah. And like oh, it's gonna, it's like you know, New Line Cinema. Yeah, I mean, they though it seemed like I think the first movie that I remember and recognized that it was New Line Cinema was Mortal Kombat. Back oh, interesting. In like ninety five, I think. 
Um, and uh, it's just, it seemed like New Line has always been those kind of darker movies. Um, it's not a bad movie, people. Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat? No, yeah, no, yeah. that's fucking okay. awesome. A lot of people like, you know, because those movies can be terrible. That was pretty good. Have you seen the, the web shorts? Yeah, yo, totally. Those are There's a Street Fighter one out now. Really? Oh, yeah, it just came out. Holy shit. Uh, they're all out, season one, you know, released all at once. And I highly recommend them, by the way, not to get back to video games. <laughs> but Street Fighter uh, series, just like Mortal Kombat. I watched the web first series. one. That's the one I've seen so far. It, they're really good. They're all out right now, so check them out. Nice. Well, that's cool. Uh, it, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm still interested in this because it was such a weird, messed up. Yeah, and like we, we've known for a while that it was going to be two movies. Right. We now know that it's it's going to be one with the kids and one with the adults, which I kind of suspected. I, yeah, I thought that's probably what I was think most happen. people did, but it was like the original kind of interspersed. Yeah, it, it went back and forth. So this um, one, is, well, actually, the book was linear. Well, was it? Yeah, it was more the the. The TV movie that jumped back and forth, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, I, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure the book itself was linear. I think I remember. I remember the TV show being annoyed with that that it jumped back and forth. It, I think they did it just for the sake of being able to tell a story because it was so long. Yeah, yeah. So the movie. Do you know which one's going to come up first? Is it like? I would think the one with the kids. That, yeah, yeah. That would be my assumption. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess New Lines—they've been kind of making a, a jump into horror, like I said. Um, and uh, I mean, last year they had The Conjuring, which was a big deal. Um, so I think they're going to be following that that line and um, kind of re-establishing re themselves as a horror label, basically. Cool. So. Talked on the show before about the show I Zombie. Uh, yeah, and uh, turns out that um, Alexandra Crosney, who I'm not sure who she was, that's not the lead, is it? Uh, I don't know. Um, eh, who fucking cares? Anyways, she's being replaced. We don't know by who. We don't fucking care. It looks like Crosney. Was playing Peyton, who was Liv's best friend and roommate. So I assume Liv was the main character. So, yeah, yeah we knew that. That okay. Liv was the main character. So Peyton is crossing. He's not. Which, by the way, I didn't pick up on. But her name is Olivia Moore, aka Liv Moore. Oh, Liv Moore, zombie. <laughs> this is a. I'm looking over your shoulder at the notes. It's a. It's a zombie movie on CW. It's a TV show. It's a TV show on CW. It's a crime procedural. It's a crime procedural about a zombie who works for the police and eats the brains of victims to gain their memories to help the police solve their murders. It's a crime procedural on the CW? Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was already out at CW. 
Well, CW's got a couple good things. Yeah, well, like, it's, it's like, like it's a crime procedural. Okay, <laughs> on the CW. Oh, <laughs> about a zombie. Oh, okay, <laughs> who eats people's brains? What? Uh. <laughs> to help the police? Wait a minute. <laughs> done. There's a lot of outs here. Because she gains their memories. Yep, done. Yeah, CW. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they have a few. They have uh, Supernatural, which I enjoy. Um, Arrow, which is good, and they've got the Flash coming in the fall. And Tony loves Vampire Diaries. Yeah, love it. And the originals. Oh my god. And I heard. I heard. Ar- I heard split decision on the Arrow. Some people were like, eh. "Really?" I, I mean, it, it's as far as um, ratings go and reviews and like general reviews. Yeah. Right. Through the roof, basically. Right. But not this one, huh? I Zombie, stay clear. Who cares, right? I we'll we'll see how it goes, but I it everything about it sounds horrible to me. Yeah, I mean the picture here in this article is her eating a fucking brain with chopsticks. I mean, for Christ's sake. And she, she doesn't look like a zombie. She looks like a pale emo girl. Yeah. I was gonna say she looks emo. That's all she looks like a supermodel that hasn't eaten in a week. <laughs> She's just a uh is it bulimic or anemic? What's the one that where you Anemic. Wait. No, anemic's like you anemic have Anemic is an issues. iron she, yeah. deficiency. She's bulimic. Right? What's the one where you do, you throw up on purpose and you want to be thin? That's bulimic. Okay. So it's a bulimic emo girl eating ramen noodles is the picture we're looking at. No, it's well, a she's brain. eating a brain. Into, oh. With chopsticks. Which looks like ramen noodles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> out of a Tupperware. I mean, it literally actually looks like not ramen noodles. It doesn't even she's look like eating a brain. it out of a Tupperware. Jeez. Oh, fuck this show. Okay. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's penned by Rob Thomas. I mean, for Christ's sake. Give me your heart. Make me Not that Rob Thomas. Okay, okay. I was looking at crazy. <laughs> Can we stop talking about this? I'm getting angry. Yep, yep. let's move on. Wait a minute, this is a typo, right? I wish. <laughs> the Omen is being adapted to a TV show. Okay, stick with me. For a lifetime? I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. It's, um, it's, it's not like a recreation of the Omen itself. It's, it's not like they're taking Psycho and turning it into Bates Motel. It's going to be kind of a continuation. This um, is being adapted by Glenn Mazzara? Yeah. What? That's why it, it, that's why I'm not writing it off. It's, uh, for I, those I, of you that, that don't know, Glenn Mazzara is the former showrunner for The Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it, it won't let me write it off because, I mean, it's, you know, I love The Omen. The Omen's awesome. Um, and the fact that... Did Glenn you like was, the remake? I The remake has advanced to the Sinister 16. It has. Um, I didn't dislike the omen or the, the remake because it was almost identical to the original yeah i feel like that when i did watch it it felt like it was just the, the first movie yeah it's done I mean, with like a new cast just like psycho it was almost exactly like the original so yeah. i mean i don't know why people hated it so much i mean they even used a lot of same effects like um like uh the the, the mother when she falls off of the um the balcony or the balcony of the overview onto the floor and rather than actually dropping her on wires or something, they had her standing and they pushed a wall towards her. Oh. So, and they used like that, that. S- that same effect in 
film and remake. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know why people were so down on it. That had Lee Schreiber, who... He's fun. That's had Julia Stiles, though. Oh, God, it's kind of awful. Her. She is. God, she's hard to look at. <laughs> Looks like somebody stepped on her face when she was a child. Oh, jeez. Sounds like a Sarah Jessica Parker comment. Anyways. Um, face looks like a foot. I know. The picture here that I was looking at, that little kid, that looks pretty good. That, well, that's that's from the original. Oh, that's yeah. the original. Okay. Yeah, it was well, great yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, this show is going to be titled Damien, and it centers on the film's young boy, or centers on the film's young boy, Damien Thorne. Now an adult and haunted by his past, Damien is faced with a series of macabre events and must finally face his true destiny. He is the Antichrist. That's a bitch to find out, Interesting. Huh? Yeah, so, I mean, as we all know... So it's like a sequel. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's a continuation of the original films. I mean, because there, there are obviously, I think, two sequels to The Omen. Omen 3, Omen 4? Is there a fourth? I don't I don't think there I is. I don't think so. The internet might tell us. The internet is good for we that. We do have that. I feel like I see an Omen 4 in my head in a cover, but I might be wrong. With well, a num- Roman numeral 4, but... I remember three, I think. I think there was three. I know there was one where he was um, he was in, like, prep school, which I assume... Omen there five. Was five! Motherfuckers! Look at... Omen 4 was called Armageddon 2000. What? Written, written in 1983. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know at one point Damien was Sam Neill. <laughs> so Wait, what? Yeah. Sam Neill played Damien really? in the movies, yeah. So the last three... Were written by all the same guy. Yeah, Gordon McGill. He must really have a like a hankering to write Omen movies. <laughs> now we should go and review Omen Five. I don't think we should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, oh, we should negate a rat. There you go. It would probably be terrible. Why did we record with a fucking door open in Seattle? Because it's fucking hot. It is pretty warm. Um, yeah. So um, Glenn Mazzara, he'll pen the script. And EP the show um, through his own production studio, um, which is 44 Strong Productions. Um, yeah, so. Interesting. Oh, right. And uh, he's also c- currently writing. This is something I c- completely forgotten about. He's actually writing the Overlook Hotel, which is uh, a prequel movie to The Shining. And that, that's, yeah, that's going to be a movie, not yeah. a TV show. I'm just saying, whatever. My what ears just perked up. I don't know. I don't think I know about this. Do I know about this? I don't think I do. Uh, we haven't. I was surprised we didn't talk about it on the Stephen yeah, King episode. That's it totally we, slipped my we mind. We dropped the ball on that one. Well, just give me a quick update. What, what is it? It's a prequel. It's a prequel. Love it. Uh, I assume with the, like the original staff. I, that, that's just an assumption. Before remember, like shit went down. Yeah, you're remembering The Shining. There. They kept like flashing yeah, back yeah, to the original cast. Bit, I yeah. imagine it'll be that. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think there's been much about it yet. Um, I'm so, gonna go home and like Google the shit out of it now, just because I'm excited. You're gonna Google shit out of yourself? I've done that. He's gonna Google it so hard. I've done that too. Um, well, that's cool. Have you guys seen the, the documentary type ish movie? Was it Room Two Hundred Six? Two Thirty Seven, I think. Room Two Thirty Seven about The Shining. I haven't seen it. I've I haven't heard watched it. it though. So they just re- so you know for the listeners at home, uh, Room Two Thirty Seven. That's right. Um, documentary by some guy who just loves The Shining. And he went through it and tried to basically decode all the hidden secrets inside the movie and all the little meanings. Like you see a canister with like a Native American Indian on it, but it means something like in the background and like all this stuff. He just goes to town on The Shining and seeing all the hidden secrets in it. So I think it's freaking cool. 
Um, anyways, so you guys should check it out. Room, th- room is it two thirty seven? I think so. I'm pretty sure it's two thirty seven. Yeah, because that was like that was the room in the movie. Yeah, yeah, or in the book too. But Overlook. Well, anyways, I'm excited about Overlook Hotel now. Overlook. What was it called? Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, yeah. Damien. I like Friday Thirteenth. No uh, channel. No, I don't know. A lifetime. Oh, right. Duh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, the part that we don't yeah, like. that's fucking weird. Yeah, I, I saw that and I'm like, that can't be right. This is a joke. But then I read it. It's, Nothing right, gets released right. on Lifetime ever. Like, it's, that's not. That's like good. It's like the the channel for women. Yeah, like that was their slogan. For yeah, a while. it's like we're the channel for women. It's like there was just like made for TV movies starring Ralph Macchio as a rapist or something. Like, <laughs> well, I think I think Lifetime. Uh, along with a lot of cable channels, are just trying to get on the horror TV bandwagon. It does seem that way, yeah. So just and you, know, you know who helped that? Walking Dead? Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. yeah. They're like, okay, we can do that. I mean, yeah. I mean, AMC started with Walking Dead. Um, A&E started doing with Bates Motel. Um, true Blood on HBO. True Blood on HBO. And, uh, and now this on Lifetime. So, I mean... I think what helped with Beats Motel, though, real quick, to, to get people excited about it, is that they they root it in that kind of the stuff that I don't like, but it's more accessible to an average viewer. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can get behind the idea that it's a mom who just loves her son, although in a weird way, or, you know, this strange father, or the weird, you know, gang stuff that's happening in the small town. They gave a lot of that stuff in there, so people, so people could deal with the weirder stuff that this kid's a killer, essentially. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think that's what helped get other maybe other studios on board. And Freddie Highmore is great. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't quite have hiding that accent down yet. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, when I when guess, he gets like really passionate, it kind of comes. I wanted to hear his accent. I didn't know he had one. Have you seen uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory? Yes, I have. And now I'm just putting those two together. Yeah. He's Charlie. Mind blown. <laughs> he was so good in that. He played a very angsty young man. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, good being he did his job. (laughs) All right. All right, let's press on. So, speaking of horror TV... Uh, they are adapting Stephen King's Firestarter, which you may remember starred Drew Barrymore as a little tiny baby girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are adapting that into a television show for TNT. Hmm. Yet another channel trying to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. Uh, the new series will be titled The Shop, and it will take place 20 years after the events of the film and focus on the Department of Scientific Intelligence. Uh, the supernatural thriller centers on a mysterious organization that once exploited the pyrokinetic abilities of a young girl named Charlie McGee, Drew Barrymore. 20 years after bringing the organization to its knees in a blaze of fire, Charlie has been tracked, ba- tracked down by one of its former members, Henry Talbot. Talbot introduces Charlie to a group of people just like her, all products of the shop with their own unique abilities. Mm. It turns out the shop is very much alive, bigger and badder than ever, and its dark experiments are unleashing terrifying new entities on the world. It's now up to Talbot, Charlie, and the rest of the team to find the shop and destroy it for good. The series will be produced by James Middleton, James Paglia, and Robbie Thompson. Yep. Yep, that's happening. I hope it's not something like the Believe thing, you know, like... 
here's our supernatural group of people or girl who can do stuff and that sounds I don't I'm not excited about this this the premise doesn't sound great well it just it sounds like a lot of other ones have done that you know like the modern kind of here's a bunch of special people yeah I mean Firestarter's not a great property to try and spin off I think they tried it once um yeah, early early aughts it, uh, they made a TV series. I mean, it sounded. It, it was Charlie was an adult. Had um, uh, Margaret uh, Moreau. Is her name? Um, I don't know who that is. She uh, she played Katie in Wet Hot American Summer. Which one was Katie? The one that Coop was crazy about. Okay. Yeah, she she played Charlie, um, and. It wasn't very good. I mean, it, which was a shame because it had a pretty good cast. I mean, it had Dennis Hopper and um, Malcolm McDowell in it. Whoa! Oh wow! Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I think they may have tried to. What was it called? Was it called Firestarter? It was called uh, Firestarter Rekindled. Hmm. Um, so they tried to try to get that. I mean, it, it was a mini series, so I guess it wasn't really they, they tried to spin it off into something else, but. It didn't do well. I think there's a great point to bring this up when it comes to reboots, because we've been talking a lot about them, and TV series taking properties, right? A lot of times, just like a really good album or something, it's just where the moment you're in, right? So Drew Barrymore, that moment, when she was a little girl, being Drew Barrymore, you know, and the and the, and the time the, uh, the movie came out. Um, Robert England in you know Nightmare on Elm Street, like the time that it happened, they try to reboot that a million times. New Nightmare, etc. I think sometimes you just gotta let this go and be like, this was fucking amazing when it happened. You know, that's why a little bit you can't of, catch lightning in a you bottle. You can't twice. catch lightning in a bottle, and like The Shining is great because of fucking Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and uh, all of them. You know, all the people that were in that. So I don't know. I think that's the problem here is that. You know, there's so many properties where you said earlier there's a guy in a suit somewhere who was like, yeah, we can make money off that. Yeah, but that's the that's what it is. it's like Drew Barrymore is fire started to me. Yeah, and I mean, even for her to play Charlie again, I don't think it would work. I agree. She's a romantic comedy lady now, like that. She does movies with Adam Sandler. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's not a fire starter. No, I mean, far, but I mean, TNT knows drama. <laughs> they <Yeah>. do. <laughs> they tell us every time. Wait, um, did, what's the one that knows comedy? Is that TBS? TBS, I know. Oh. Which is like the Get sister station. Yeah. They're both Turner. Yeah. Which one of them? So one of them knows comedy, one knows drama. What's the third one? What, some of them need to know horror. None of them know horror. Nobody knows horror. AMC knows horror. Well, one of them. <laughs> I'm not excited about this at all. Is my No, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really not either. I, I honestly wasn't the biggest Firestarter fan to begin with. Never really did a whole lot for me, but I don't know. She was in Cat's Eye too, right? Yeah. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. yeah. The, by the way, that was on a podcast. It was on it, our podcast. It was on your podcast. Yeah, where you were talking about Cat's Eye. What the one I was on? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I do too many shows, but also it was on a slut. recent podcast. Sorry, I'm a podcast slut. Yeah. Um, there is uh, a great podcast you guys should listen to, and everybody listening to should listen to called We Hate Movies. You would love it. I believe we follow them on Twitter. Okay. They're a friend of mine. I know Sean, and I was in their apartment at some point in New York. They're fucking cool dudes, and uh, they're really funny, and they review movies. 
they do a really good job of like literally going through one whole movie that's pretty shit <laughs> kind of a negative rad style but you just hear them talking about it but they do it like from a to z you know like they start it and here's the first scene that happened and then they make jokes around it. So they did Cat's Eye recently. Uh, okay. And it was really fucking funny. We do that, but we get really fucking drunk first. Yeah, I know. I heard some of that, too. <laughs> That's cool, too. Anyways, we hate movies as well as the Grave Pop podcast, which you're listening to now. But, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. This just... It, this is going to happen. Just, so just, just no. Just bend over and take it. So, yet another uh, film series that is being adapted into television is Legion, which is being adapted for the Sifi Network. Yep, Sifi. Yep, formerly known as Sci-Fi. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is, uh, it's going to be called Dominion. It's, uh, I don't I don't know. It's going to be going to be based on Legion. That's really about all we know. Uh, it stars Chris Egan and Anthony Stewart Head, and premieres June nineteenth. Yeah, uh, Anthony Stewart. I'm, I don't think I'm familiar with Chris Egan, but um, Anthony Stewart Head. Uh, he actually played Giles on Buffy, and I don't think he was ever on Angel. But um, so, and he's also in uh, Repo, the genetic opera. Oh, who was he in that? He was the Repo Man. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he's a very talented actor, very classic, um, as far as actors go. And, uh, I'm a big fan of his. And <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Did either you guys see Legion? Cause I, I saw it was about angels. I didn't yeah. see it. I believe you saw it, right? Yeah, I did. It wasn't very good. It wasn't. I think <laughs> I was telling Taylor earlier this. Um, I think I liked the interesting concept about, Angels, you know, like angels fighting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but then it just basically turned into like a action film. Like, mm-hmm. let's shoot a bunch of guns. I'm like, you're an angel? Don't you have like special angel powers? Or <laughs> like, no, Armageddon's coming, and it's in the form of a bunch of dudes who want to kill us. I don't know. I didn't. It didn't feel very supernatural. Yeah. You know. I mean, aside, <clears throat> excuse me. Aside from like the demons, which you know, I think probably the most familiar one people that would. Someone that people would recognize like right away is the Ice Cream Man, played by Doug Jones. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, and his—I don't think his role was terribly substantial, but I think he probably stood out most as like as, as a demon. Just wait, hold on—is that the movie where it starts where the, the they're in the diner? Yeah, and the thing, little the woman that goes on the on the ceiling. Yeah, that's so cool. Like that moment, I was like, "That's amazing." There's, if you don't know, it's not a spoiler. It's the beginning of the film, I think. They're in a diner somewhere, pretty close to the beginning. Yeah. And there's an old lady, and she looks like just a normal old lady. And then she gets all mean and demonic-y. And she fucking goes on the ceiling, man. Like, backwards walking shit, you know? You're like, this movie's going to be badass. And then it's not. Nope. Nope. Yeah. It, it, JK. It just goes south from there. Um. Yeah, it gets... It, it, I feel like it gets less supernatural, but... So you guys are not, not amped for... Dominion. Then. Right. I mean... But, I mean, sci-fi has such a reputation for making high-quality horror programming. You mean Sifi. Sifi. Well, it's like, they had um, Being Human, which was 
Almost. Sort of human. Or, uh, horror. <laughs> sort of human. It was sort of both. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was sort of horror. I mean, it had horror-based themes. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, aside from that, sci-fi, just their shows are... So... Well, we were researching this, though. We we saw something else, didn't we, Taylor? Yeah, it turns out uh, Sifi is also going to be premiering next year a 12 Monkeys TV show, which is one of my favorite movies. So I'm, I'm kind of mixed on this, because it's one of those things where it's like, it would be cool to see a continuation of the canon, but at the same time, it's one of those things where you don't really want to see any, somebody else fuck with it. Yeah. Because, like we were saying, it's Bruce Willis with bad hair and Brad yeah. Pitt... And, with uh, bad hair and with, crazy yeah, eye, crazy eye, but a brilliant performance. And then we found out Madeline Stowe is the the lady's name, uh, although I don't know what she's been in since. And uh, no offense, Madeline Stowe, I'm sure you have an illustrious career. I'm sure she um, listens to the show too. Yeah, she does. She totally <laughs> does. She's gonna send a hate mail. Um, that again, that was that thing we were talking about earlier, right? Lightning in a bottle. Like, can you reproduce that? Here's the thing that I'll be optimistic. Is I hear a demon in the background, which is also, <laughs> I think, just a dog. That's Dexter. Um, so here's my optimistic uh, last point, is that I think, though you said it canon earlier, Taylor, I think that has enough stuff in 12 Monkeys that you might be able to pull it off, right? Because you have that weird future, and you have that w- in that present that's kind of like... I'm looking at the synopsis, though. Uh... Twelve Monkeys follows the journey of a time traveler from the post-apocalyptic future who appears in present day on a mission to locate and eradicate the source of a deadly plague that will eventually disseminate the human race. That's the exact That's movie. the exact same fucking storyline. Oh, then never mind. <laughs> yeah, this is not a prequel or a sequel, it sounds like. This is like a direct remake. It's an adaption. Yeah. That's essentially what it sounds like. Yeah. There are, there are demons near here. <laughs> I made, the, I, think, I made the mistake of bringing my new, brand new puppy here, and he's just being a pain in the ass. Is that my dog or yours? I, I, I can't tell now. Fuck. Okay. He's just going to deal with it for right now. Well, that might be a good segue for, I think the demons might take me soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Carlos has, has previous engagements. Um, he, he does need to get out of here. Um, we'll wrap up this story real quick. 12 Monkeys, January of 15. Um... Dominion, June nineteenth. So that's actually much much sooner. That's so now. That's yeah. That's like, like a week from now. Twelve days from now. By the time twelves. Twelve. Hey. hey. Segway. Tie in. Um, Not excited about twelve monkeys, even though I'm excited about the the world, just like you are. But I'm I, not particularly excited about twelve monkeys or Dominion. No. Neither. Tony. No. 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 Well, Consensus. No. I mean, if they can make Legion good, then maybe. But, I mean, the fact that it has, like I said, Anthony Stewart head in it kind of attracts me a little bit. But They need an old lady that jumps and goes on the ceiling. Then I'm in. Yeah, in 12 Monkeys? No, in the other one. Oh, Legion. Dominion. Yeah, right, okay. Dominion. Okay. All right, well, um, I guess with that, we'll let you go. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, thanks for being here. Yeah, we it know was, it was fun. Short notice. Oh yeah. no, no, totally. Anytime. And uh, I want to come back, and we'll do more horror talk. And I'll probably sway it to video games at some point because <laughs> I do that. Hey, um, you know what? And this next time, we'll actually have a mic, a just, microphone just for, me. for you. You guys just li- li- the curtains pulled back. You already. <laughs> I have my own microphone. Like... I did. Yeah, it's only two mics. 
Um, well, I'll attend to your dog as I'm leaving. <laughs> um, but thanks, guys. And uh, please go to videogamebreak.net where you can find out uh, things about dogs or video games. <laughs> Probably just about video games. Next, sir. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Onawa, O-N-A-W-A. And thanks for being on my podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us on there. And have a good rest of the two hours that you guys are going to be recording because you're dedicated and I love it. It's going to be such a fucking long show. God damn it. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Staying within the realm of horror TV, um, we'll see how fast we can get through these now. There's only two of us. Yeah. But uh, Walking Dead, we previously discussed Seth Gilliam being cast. Uh we know now that he is going to play, um, oh shit, Father Gabriel Stokes. That's what I said. Um, as <clears throat> something that was of suspect uh, last time we talked about this. Right. So, has been confirmed. Um, yeah, confirmed via, via a set photo that was posted by the Spoiling Dead fans on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, a photo from the set of Gilliam in the full robe with the, the collar and everything. Yeah. So I guess it's it's still not technically confirmed, but it's, you know, he's playing a priest, and the yeah. only priest in the comic is, um, you know, this uh, Gabriel Stokes. So Yeah, if they had another black priest... In the show, it would seem unnecessary. Yeah, it just it, was, it would be like changing it just for the sake of changing it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, another thing that's been confirmed as uh, is that Catherine Heigl is not going to be in it. Yeah. Um. That was originally reported back in April, and I'm not sure if it started as an April Fool's Day prank that we just caught on to a little late, and so we didn't think it was, or if we just fell for it. Or if there actually were, one. if there actually were talks, we don't we don't really know. But yeah, her her agent, either her agent or her publicist, I'm not sure exactly which, but one of them reported that no, she will she will not be in, and she actually has a new show coming out, which doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, um, I think he actually said that like, no, that was never the case. <laughs> oh, he actually did say it was never the case. I, I think so. So it may have been an April Fool's Day prank that Could we fell for. Yeah. And well, fuck us. Yeah, fuck us. Um, so. Um, so yeah, looking forward to season five. Definitely. Uh, introducing a lot. Or, I guess so far I haven't really talked about introducing a lot of characters, but it seems like the stories, especially in the last season, story has been advancing. It hasn't been just stagnant like it was in season two. Yeah. Um, so that's good. And, and I will say my, uh, my, I, I saw an article saying, spoilers for season five and my curiosity got the best of me and i did read it and i know things why did you do that i don't know you big stupid which i mean of course i'm not going to reveal them here but um fucking better not i'll punch you in the head (laughs) things happen cool i like (laughs) things and i like when they happen so yeah if you're uh if you're on the fence about season five it's it's gonna have things and things are good and things will happen
So, um, we've talked to you before, more, more during the fall season, um, about Dracula on NBC. Dracula. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that one. Um, where Dracula was English, playing an American, but from Transylvania, or <laughs> Romania. Anyway, uh, it was not terrible, um... It was okay to just, you know, okay, I have nothing else to watch. I'll just sit down and watch Dracula. Why not? So it was kind of one of those shows, but those shows don't tend to make it very long. Case in (laughs) point. Case in point. uh, NBC has decided to cancel Dracula, um, which is interesting because they they clearly had such high hopes for it because they ordered a full season. Like, first season, they ordered a full season. They didn't order, like, a pilot or, or, uh, you know, 13 episodes or whatever. They ordered a full, well, I guess, I guess it was 13 episodes because I think it was like a mid-season replacement. I think. Regardless, um, it has been canceled. Which leads me to wonder, what is Jonathan Reismeyer's do, gonna do? Really? That's your big concern? <laughs> I'm wondering how this is going to affect the Wolfman series that's been talked about. Um, hard to say. That was supposed to be NBC too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's going to be like that. They're going to say that since Dracula failed, and it's kind of, kind of in the same vein. You know, they're both Universal monsters. That they're just going to say this is a failed experiment and just can it before it even starts, or if they're still give it a fighting chance. Uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's kind of hard to say at this point. Um. I mean, aside from the first time I reported on it, I haven't heard any other news about Wolfman. Me neither. So, who knows at this point? I guess it's anybody's guess. But, um, I mean, on the Wolfman note, I guess we will keep you posted on it. Yeah, there's not really anything to post on Dracula. Yeah. It's over. Deal with it. So, back in episode uh, 15? I don't know. I think it was 15. The one with Kevin Nisgoda. We talked about Oculus. did talk about Oculus, yes. And uh, their director um, is going to now adapt a story from Stephen King called Gerald's Game. Yeah, and... um Stephen King fans out there, I mean, obviously know what the story's about. Um, but I Ger- do not, so please tell me. Uh, Gerald's Game, um, it revolves around a seemingly harmless contest between a married couple and a remote retreat. It escalates to become a harrowing fight for survival. Wife Jessica must confront long-buried demons within her own mind and possibly lurking in the shadows of her seemingly empty house. So, um, I've never read it. Um, I think it's mainly because the story is of little interest to me. This is uh, when we need your dad. Yeah. Uh, I know my dad owns the book. I, I mean, he owns fucking every um, Stephen King book. Speaking of which, you know, his birthday was yesterday. And um, my sister got him Mr. Mercedes. Oh, cool. Yeah. He stared at it like he like he didn't know what it was. Really? Yeah. 
He's just like, I didn't even know they he was writing a new book. I said, we talked about it on the show. <laughs> like, we did? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, anyway. So, yeah, Mike Flanagan is the, uh, the, the director's name. Mm-hmm. And um, he also wrote the script along with uh, his writing partner, Jeff Howard. Yeah. Um, this is going to be developed by Intrepid Pictures, um, who also did Oculus along with WWE Films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, I mean... So you, you said, like, this, the story didn't interest you. Does Does it, as a movie, interest you at all? Possibly. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'd have to see more about it. Like, see how the film itself develops, uh, you know, production-wise. Uh, I mean, I like to see a cast. Yeah. Um, hear kind of like maybe a synopsis, see how the movie's actually going to go, because people like to change Stephen King work. Um, and just kind of judge it from there, I guess. I don't know. It, it, I guess it's, it's a little too early to tell. So, we'll see. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it, and we'll, we'll let you know when you hear more. Mm-hmm. Anyone that's listened to any of our episodes knows that we are huge Trick or Treat fans. Yes, we are. And the director of Trick or Treat, who I believe he's also the writer, correct? Yeah. A gentleman by the name of Michael Doherty is working on a Christmas horror movie, Christmas horror comedy, called The Krampus. And it's funny that we have mentioned on the show before how there was like almost no... Krampus lore in American cinema. Yeah, and it was weird because the Krampus was so primed for horror being that he's kind of like almost like a demon. Yeah. And now here we are with three different Krampus movies in the works. Right. We've told you before about Kevin Smith's Comes the Krampus as well as um, uh, what was it called? A Christmas Horror Story or something like that? I don't know. Something something along those lines, um, which features the Krampus, and now and now there's this Michael Doherty horror comedy, which is just called Krampus. Right. <clears throat> uh, Deadline has originally reported that he's he's working on this, um, along with Trick or Treat Two, of course, mm-hmm. which we are very excited about. Yeah. Uh, the basic synopsis is that the dark ancient origins of our holidays have always fascinated. Oh wait, this is sorry, this isn't the synopsis. This is a quote from um, <laughs> from Doherty. The dark ancient origins of our holidays have always fascinated me. I've been drawing twisted Christmas cards for well over a decade, so it only made sense to bring some of that morbid yuletide fun to the big screen, and Krampus was the perfect mythology to do that. Christmas has been invading Halloween for far too long. It's time to return the favor. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I like I love that last line because I remember going to Target, for example, and just, you know, looking for Halloween decorations, and there's already fucking Christmas lights up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've got, like, you know, their, their seasonal section. Every store's got a seasonal section. Um, and, yeah, in September, October, they've got, you know, several aisles dedicated to Halloween. You know, costumes, decorations, candy, that kind of shit. 
But then at the end, there's always like one or two aisles that are already decorated with Christmas shit. Yeah. Which, I mean, I love Christmas. It's it's by far and away my favorite holiday. Um, but More than Halloween? Yeah. Oh, man. No, I've, I've loved Christmas since I was a kid, so... Um, anyway, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's over the years, it's gradually been encroaching more and more. I mean, it already took over Thanksgiving. Yeah. And now it's budding into, you know, over the last decade or so, it's been budding into Halloween. Yeah, I feel like before you know it, like, Christmas is going to be encroaching on my birthday, which is in July, <laughs> like. Yeah. So. So, yeah, this is, um, the script is already done. So more than likely, this will be before Trick or Treat too. Yeah, which I don't know. That has me a little not angry or upset. Just kind of like I'd rather he worked on Trick or Treat too. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for Trick or Treat too. <laughs> That's been a long time coming. I but mean, um, if if I feel like if he would have started working on it back when he announced it like even just doing pre-production, I feel like he probably could have gotten it together and had it ready to go for Halloween this year. I, I feel like. Mm, possibly. Because, yeah. I mean, what, it was late last year he announced it? Um, yeah. Because I know we first I, I wanna say I want to say we announced it on our Halloween Hangover show, so that would be November of last year. Yeah, I mean, it was it was either... Yeah, it was either episode two or three, which was our Halloween episode and our Halloween hangover. Yeah. So. So it was either October or November of last year. So it's it's been eight months going on. Yeah. But. Although I I like the idea of this. I've long been into the the lore of Krampus. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'm excited to see, you know, at least two directors that I really like tackling the the subject of Krampus. Yeah. Um. And it's nice to hear this because I feel like we haven't really heard much about Comes to Krampus lately. Not really, yeah. Which is weird because there was that period there where we were talking about Kevin Smith every single yeah. episode. Or I guess we can mention that there were pictures released of Justin Long on the set of Tusk. Or, yeah, yeah, I posted those on, on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, yeah. Uh, he was... He had, like, his arms sewn to his side. Yeah. So, there's something. Yeah, like, um... I, be- I believe Tusk is done. I think so. I don't have a release date yet. I haven't um, been listening to Jane Silent Bomb get old. He hasn't mentioned it on there. No, okay. No. Um, yeah, as far as Krampus goes, uh, as far as I've seen, no synopsis yet. I don't know if it's going to be um, anthology style like Trick or Treat or if it's just going to be a straight up story. But um, it's definitely something that we will be keeping an eye on and we will let you know as we hear more from it. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, I, I hope that it's not an anthology, like Trick or Treat, because Comes the Krampus is already doing Right, that. that's true. So, I mean, it, it's not going to be, from what it sounds like, it's not going to be kind of a, uh intertwining one like Trick or Treat was. Yeah. But...
for several years now. Um, Darren Lynn, uh, is it Bousman? Yeah. Okay. Um, he's been talking about, who, who you know is the director of Saw 2. Um, two through four, actually. Right. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, he wants credit for Saw 4. <laughs> Why would you want credit for anything after Saw 2? Yeah, I don't know. But Anyway, so Darren Lynn Bousman, um, he's had a movie, quote, in the works um, for years. I always wonder what that means when they say in the works. Does this mean in their brain? Or like, how, how far do you have to be before you're, quote, unquote, in the works? Yeah. Um, it's a movie called Avatar. Um, Not Avatar. <laughs> Avatar. It's French. For Slaughterhouse. Oh, is that what it is? Yep. I did not know that. Well, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Um, <laughs> uh, so, despite him having been talking about it for several years, apparently now, according to Variety, uh, it's actually official. The movie's actually being made. Um, and he's already cast his, he's, he's entering, uh, pre-production and he's cast his lead in, um, Chad Michael Murray, who you guys would probably recognize from, uh, House of Wax, but I think probably he's more well known for One Tree Hill. Mm. Um, House of Wax, all I really remember is Alicia Cuthbert's white tank top and Paris Hilton dying. Yeah. Getting a nice pipe through the head. Yeah. 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 Um, Anyway, uh, Chad Michael Murray's kind of a ham. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and he always, I mean, I know you guys listening can't see it, but Taylor can. He always, he looks like this. <laughs> um, so, anyway, so yeah, pre-production right now, um, the theme is uh, Avatar centers on a Boston real estate reporter who unearths an urban legend about someone who has spent decades buying homes where horrific tragedies have occurred and piecing them together, ultimately leading to the enigmatic Jebediah Crone and the answer to the terrifying question, how do you build a haunted house? Um, he, uh, Darren Lynn is actually writing the script with uh, Chris Monfett. Um, so as much as I want to say this sounds stupid, it actually sounds kind of cool. <laughs> I think. Is it based on a comic? Not that I'm aware of. This picture like looks like it's of a comic. Well, the picture says Darren Lynn Bousman at the bottom. But I know, but just the picture itself looks like it's of a comic. Hmm. That I can't speak on. But, um, yeah, so the, the concept of taking pieces of homes where like you know tragedies I guess you know murders and things of that nature have taken place and piecing them together to to build a haunted house that that sounds interesting to me apparently this is in pre-production that's what I said oh sorry <laughs> never fucking listen to me I thought you just said that it was like official no it is in pre-production pre-production yeah, this picture is definitely of a comic book. I don't know if it's if it's actually based on a comic book or if they just made the picture to look like a comic book, but yeah. I don't think it really matters all that much. It doesn't. Um yeah, so uh, what do you what do you think of this? You haven't I've been trying to steer the conversation that way, but you've been ignoring it. Um 
I don't know. The the premise seems kind of weird. Really? Like I don't know. Like I can't I can't picture it. You know what kind of reminds me a little bit of is uh, Thirteen Ghosts. A little bit, in the way that you know, in Thirteen Ghosts, um, I forget the character's name now, but he basically brought Tony Shalhoub. No, uh, Tony Shalhoub's uncle. Oh, okay. In that, um, he captured ghosts and put them all in one house. Um, so, I don't know. It, this reminds me a little bit conceptually of that. I could see it. Um, and I enjoyed 13 Ghosts. I mean, it was definitely one of those, I mean, I may f- fry for saying this is better than a um, uh, Vincent Price movie, but I honestly, I thought the remake was better than, than the original. Um, I never saw the original. I don't no. know. Well, I mean, but I didn't care for the remake that much. Mm. I mean, well, I liked parts of it. Um, I, I liked Matthew Lillard. Yeah, he he was uh, he, he he becomes a bit much. Oh, that movie's preview was the biggest fucking cock tease. Because you, if you remember, the preview was like rated R for violence, nudity. Starring American Pie, Shannon Elizabeth. <laughs> so you're like, oh man, Shannon Elizabeth's gonna show her boobs. But no! No! Uh, I feel like if I, if I remember right, because I was a giant perv when I was a little kid, um, there- Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shh. No, um, I, th- I think there was like a split second where you may have seen a nipple. I, yeah, there was a part where her shirt got slashed. Yeah. Yeah. I think you may I have seen know, a I know nipple. what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, you, there was the the ghost that she she had um, slit her wrists in the bathtub. Yeah, yeah like that she, was... she cut up her entire body basically, um, and she was obviously naked. Yeah, but they they the way that they said the preview made it seem like it was going yeah. to be Shannon Elizabeth, and it yeah. was it was a tease. That's all marketing. They yeah they totally <clears throat> did that on purpose. Anyways, um, abattoir. So yeah, the the fact or the idea of assembling. A haunted house based on possible haunted, other haunted houses as creating a house. Yeah, I, I could see the the similarities. Yeah, and it, it it sounds interesting to me. I mean, that's another thing where I got to see how it progresses and, and see what comes of it. I mean, I'm willing to give Bowsman the benefit of the doubt. He's sure. he's put together some good stuff. So yeah, um, Chad Michael Murray taking the lead <laughs> detracts me a little bit, but I'm willing to give it a shot. So, Nicholas Winding, or possibly Winding, I'm still not entirely sure. I don't uh, know, what, Danish? I think so. Refn is his last name. What What did we talk about him directing before? We mentioned him on the show before, directing I, I, something, I, something I know else. we did. I, I cannot remember what it was, though. Um, well, he did direct Drive, which I know is not what we talked about. But he has been signed on to direct a movie from Sony called The Bringing. Um, are you familiar with The Bringing? I am not familiar with The Bringing. 
The Bringing is loosely based on a video that stormed the internet a couple years ago about a girl from Vancouver who was spotted in an elevator acting very strangely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I believe I may have shown you the video. Yeah. Um, and then she was either later that night or the next day found dead in the water tower. Mm-hmm. And, um, very weird. Yeah. The, the basic, uh, idea or the basic, um, con- the, the consensus theory was that she could not have climbed up into that water tower by herself. Um, so it's, most people think that she was murdered. Some people seem to think that there was something supernatural going on, which seems to be the way that the movie is going. Sure, yeah. Like I said, it's very loosely based. Um, from what I understand, the, the synopsis of the movie is more based on a detective who comes to investigate the hotel where this happened and then experiences supernatural things. Right. Um, on a side note... Um he has directed um, Drive, Valhalla Rising, and Bronson um, with Tom Hardy. Um, he, Which is all about the guy from um, Perfect Strangers. Yep. Bronson Pinchot. Yep. It's his biopic. <clears throat> um, but I, th- I believe what we had talked to about him before uh, is that he was in talks to either direct or produce um, uh, the Maniac, Maniac Cop. Reboot. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah, so. Um. Yeah, apparently he uh, sought out the makers of this movie. Like, th- they, they didn't contact him. He wanted to do this. So, that's interesting. And yeah. apparently he, he wants to make this movie terrifying. Which, I mean... I, I understand that there are people that are still frightened by horror movies, but I feel like as a whole, especially like in America, you know, I've talked about kind of the jaded masses uh, before, um, just America being so desensitized to, to horror nowadays. Um, I feel like, okay, yeah, I mean, he wants to make it terrifying, but is it? Is it going to work? I mean, that, I mean, time will tell. But yeah, it's, I agree with you. Like, especially for horror crowds like us, it's, that's hard to accomplish. Yeah. But I mean, I appreciate that he, you know, this, this is a passion project for him. This isn't something that he was sought out to do and he said, yeah, sure, why not? This is something he wants to do, and he wants to make it as good and as scary as possible. So I, I give him credit, and I, I am willing to give it the benefit of the doubt until something makes me feel otherwise. Yeah, I can definitely appreciate his his passion. So, um, yeah, like anything else, we'll keep you posted on any uh, any new developments. fans of um, horror, uh, sorry, superhero movies, um, more specifically Marvel movies, 
I probably caught wind of the fact that Edgar Wright has backed out of um, the uh, Ant-Man project. Yeah, they just signed a new director today, but it's it's the guy who directed Bring It On. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, very, it's very clear that they want it to go in a more comedic direction with this one. Well, the bottom line is it doesn't matter who directs it. Kevin Feige has the final say in anything that happens, so. Yeah. Um, which is why Edgar Wright left. Yeah. And they wouldn't let him make the movie he wanted to make, which is stupid because Edgar Wright is a fucking genius. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was just talking with my brother about it. I mean, he, my brother's probably the biggest Marvel fan that I know. Um, and he, I was talking with him about it, and we talked saying that this is going to be bad for Marvel Studios because they're going to be putting out the word that Marvel does not accommodate directors. The directors are not allowed to achieve their vision at Marvel. Yeah, it's not a good look. Yeah, so um, especially it's something I had mentioned to him. It's like with Edgar Wright directing this, and if, I, it's very clear, they, like I said, they wanted to go in a, a comedic direction with, with Ant-Man. Um, with Edgar Wright directing and him having experience doing I mean like pretty much all of his popular movies are action comedies mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead I mean the whole Carnetto trilogy plus Scott Pilgrim all action comedies to an extent um, so the fact that they wouldn't let him realize his vision it blows my mind because it could have been I feel the the best Marvel movie um my yeah I was I was fucking stoked yeah I mean my my brother he's just like you're you know being crazy but I I, I genuinely think it could have been the best um despite being kind of a a weaker character and especially because anybody that's familiar with the Ant-Man or or um Avengers uh, knows that Ant-Man Hank Pym in particular created Ultron and Ultron is actually going to be the main villain in the Avengers sequel hence the subtitle right which is what <laughs> Rise of Ultron uh, Age of Ultron right um, but anyways um, like we said Edgar Wright is off that and the, right, I guess we can get back on point. Right, yeah, this is not the superhero podcast. Um, um, the rumor is, I, I don't think this has been officially announced, I don't think he's officially signed on, but the rumor is that his plan is to direct a remake of Kolchak for Disney. Right. Um, for those of you who don't know, Kolchak was a TV show back in the 70s about a tabloid reporter who covered crime, and um, he, the cases that he worked on would always lead to supernatural perpetrators such as zombies, vampires, werewolves, aliens, etc. So it was kind of a uh, it was kind of a kitschy version of X-Files almost. Or like supernatural kind of almost. Uh, a little bit. I mean, I never I think I've probably seen it once, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it it did star, star Darren McGavin, who you know as the old man from Christmas Story. <laughs> oh. Um so uh I wish I don't know. I, I wish he would have just stayed with Ant Man. 
Me too. I wish they would have let him make Ant-Man the way that he wanted wanted to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a shame. It is. And because I'm, I like Johnny Depp, but I'm really sick of him. Yeah, that was that's the other thing. I this, feel like I can th- this, this is being adapted for Johnny Depp to play the lead. Yeah. We hadn't mentioned that yet. I, it makes me wonder if Tim Burton's involved somehow. <laughs> or Gorbrinsky. Which wouldn't surprise me if it's for Disney. Yeah. Um, or no. Isn't Gore Verbinski like on Disney's shit list? Is he? I thought so. For what? Or maybe it was Jerry Bruckheimer. I don't know. Um, something about the Lone Ranger getting fucked up. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, so um, this is, you know, kind of kind of horror, because like I said, it includes zombies, vampires, werewolves, aliens, but, but it's Disney, so it's clearly not going to be scary. Right. I mean, unless it's not going to be actually distributed by Disney under the Disney banner, maybe one of its subsidiaries or something. Yeah, it's funny going back to what I was talking about earlier. How everything's a subsidiary of everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fucking, I mean, Disney. Um, I mean, Disney owns ABC, ESPN, um, Marvel, Marvel, yeah. Which, which is funny because Edgar Wright, he left Marvel, and now he's he's working for the same people. Yeah. <laughs> which I wonder if that was maybe like a side deal or something. Maybe. Maybe he was under contract. And maybe. But yeah. Yeah. Um, like you said, ABC, ESPN, um, they own Touchstone, which I don't think Touchstone actually makes movies anymore. No? I don't, I don't think so. I, I could be wrong. Um Marvel, like you said, um, they own now. They own um, Lucasfilm. Oh yeah, that's right. So crazy, but I, I mean, like, I, I want to be excited for this because I, I love Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know. I'm, I'm waiting to hear more. I, I would like to see a trailer or something. But um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll see it. Yeah, I mean, it's Edgar Wright. He hasn't, to my knowledge, he hasn't made a bad movie. So. Yeah. Not in my ass. Speaking of bad movies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I'm sure you're all familiar at this point with Sharknado and Sharknado the second one <laughs> which uh premieres on Seafy on uh, July 30th. Um happy birthday to me. Hey. <laughs> um Sharknado 3 has now been confirmed. Yay. Just what we needed. Yeah. Um, um I mean it, it left me wondering. It's like god, I mean I just really hope they make a third one. <laughs> That's what, that's what I need. So many unanswered questions. Yeah. Um, it will, or part two stars Tara Reid and Ian, Ian Ziering from the first movie. Um, plus, they're adding Vivica Fox, which you know from Idle Hands. Sh- sure, yeah, let's go <laughs> with that. Um, and Mark McGrath. Yep, from Sugar Ray. Yeah, I mean, is there another Mark McGrath? <laughs> 
And from what we're told, uh, according to Max Zaleski, uh, Kurt Angle is in it. Oh, of course he is. <laughs> uh, so my question is, why? <laughs> um, How did this become a thing? Like, Sifi has made so many bad movies. Why Sharknado? Why, does, why is this the one that took off? I think it's probably because so many people watched it because it was so stupid. Uh, I mean, I think probably people probably just got together with their friends, got fucked up, and watched Sharknado. And I think just because there were so many people that watched it uh, that they said, yeah, fuck it, let's make another one. Let's make the second one. And and the third. Yeah. Which we don't... I don't know if it has a, a um, subtitle yet, if it's going to be the third one or... Number three. Part three. No, 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 just number three. <laughs> Sharknado, number three. But I mean, like... Like I said, why Sharknado? Why not... And these are real sci-fi original movies, I'm about to say. Why not Chupacabra versus the Alamo? <laughs> why not... Um, Aladdin and the Death Lamp. Why not Mega Python versus Gatoroid? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <clears throat> so, this is just gonna be stupid, but I guess if you're into stupid movies, then. Which apparently people are, because yeah. that's why this is being made. Yeah, if you're one of those people that have made sci fi incorrectly think that Sharknado was worth a sequel and now also a trilogy a trilogy um, then you know look out for it <laughs> then stop it yeah. <laughs> um, and celebrate Taylor's birthday with uh, Sharknado the second one um, and that's really all I have to say about this it was a zombie jamboree took place in a New York cemetery it was a zombie jamboree took place in a New York cemetery. Zombies from all parts of the island. Some of them was a great Calypsonians. Although the season was carnival. So, uh, if, if you're a regular listener, you know by now how we feel about World War Z. It's, um, we, we still haven't seen it. We are continuing our boycott. Yeah, I, uh, my gym has a, a cardio theater. You know, treadmills, ellipticals, and, you know, a handful of bikes and stuff in this room, and they have big projector screen. They just they show movies, um, so it's nice to go in there and just you know ride the bike and watch a movie. Um, one day they were playing World War Z, so I left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have yet to have anyone give me a reason to see it. Yeah, I've talked to people who have seen it and they've told me about it, and they have not given me any reason to see it. So my, my boycott continues. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, World War Z two, or whatever title the they one. they <laughs> <laughs> whatever title they go with, unofficially titled World War Z two for now, um, has uh, signed on a writer. Oh his, boy! His name is Stephen Knight. He wrote Closed Circuit, Redemption, Eastern Promises, and he is the creator. Of who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> How did studio executives not just look at what we're looking at right now? 
like right this second we're looking at this list and just say, no, no. How, how do they look at it and go, that's our guy? Yeah. It's like, you know what they probably looked at? They probably looked like a, a, a top to bottom list of dire- available director or available writers um, from least expensive to most expensive. And they probably just picked from the top. We can afford him. Yeah. Yeah, he will join Juan Antonio Bayona, who is uh, signed on to direct. And Brad Pitt has recently signed on to star, which should surprise no one, considering he is fucking producing the goddamn thing. Yeah. So, um, that's happening. If you're excited about it, then fucking good for you. I don't don't give a shit. I'm not going to see this one either. Nope. All right. Moving on. You know what would be funny is if they hired um, uh, Max Brooks to write it, and he just completely ignores and negates everything in the first movie and just writes it how it should have been written. I wish that would happen. Yeah, that would have been funny as hell. Um, so yeah, if, if you're listening, Max Brooks, do that. Do it. Stand in the place where you live How did we miss this when we were talking about Stephen King? I, I don't know. Our list is kind of out of order here. Yeah. Um. So we got some updated news about uh, the stand. Um. Give me a sec. Uh, Josh Boone, the the director, who also directed the upcoming movie The Fault in Our Stars, and even if you haven't seen that movie. Which I don't, I don't think it's actually out yet. I don't. I don't think so. Have you seen a commercial for it? For it, and you think this fucking guy is directing the stand? You wonder again how the fuck. It's, it's a romantic comedy, right? Yeah. Well, is it even a comedy? It just looks I don't like know. a drama. <sighs> anyway, um, he uh, he gave some things that might be possibly reassuring to. Uh, Stephen King fans um, he said that the stand will be three hours long which is good because obviously the stand is a giant fucking book with so much detail in it as well. I, I almost feel like they should do this in at least two parts yeah I just it'd, be, it'd have to be one of those movies where they'd have to already agree to do a sequel True. So if the first one tanks, then you know, like they have to do the sequel, or they don't, and then that would just be stupid. Yeah. And then, then the stand would be ruined forever. I just don't know how many people have the attention span for a three-hour movie these days. I I don't know. I mean, I sat through Godzilla for two hours. And that was hard. Um. Anyway, we'll get to that later. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, Josh Boone, he says, uh, we're going to do one three-hour R-rated version with an amazing A-list cast across the board. Every single one of those characters will be somebody you recognize and somebody you can relate to. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. It's the most exciting thing I've ever gotten to do in my life. If a 12-year-old me ever had had known one day that I'd be doing this, to even just go back and look at that as a kid, I'd be like, keep doing what you're doing. It's just crazy. I've met so many actors over the years, and like when I met Stephen King, I hugged him with tears in my eyes. It meant that much to me when I was young. 
or he meant that much to me when I was young. I still say everything I learned about writing. I learned from Stephen King. I don't just I don't read screenplays. I don't read screenplay how-to books. It's always just establish the character, establish the character. So I don't know. He says it's going to have an A-list cast. The only person we know that's in it so far is Nat Wolf, who is from The Fault in Our Stars. And he is creating a role for him. Right. Which we discussed before. Yeah. It's odd because he says he talked about how true it was going to be to the book right after talking about how he was creating a role for this guy. Yeah. I just I smelled disaster. I uh, I kind of got a whiff of that, too. It's, I don't know. I, I, I wish they could just, I mean, keep saying this. You know, I could say it till I'm blue in the face, but it's like I wish they would just leave things alone. It'll never happen. It's, it's sad. Uh, Josh Boone, I'm thinking maybe kiss my ass. So, we briefly discussed before um, the director, Adam Green, who is best known for the Hatchet series, um, also the movie Frozen, the TV show Holliston. Chillerama. Chillerama, yeah. Um, he's got a new movie he just signed on to called Exorcism on Crooked Lake. He just recently finished up Digging Up the Marrow, which he calls a manipumentary, which is a horrible, horrible word. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. But it is. Um, Seaquake. Seaquake, yeah. Uh, yeah, now he's signed on to Exorcism on Crooked Lake, which is from Revolver Picture Company, who I'm not really familiar with. Neither am I. I think they're a fairly new, um, new company. Could be. But, uh, it's, it's the story of a middle-aged priest and a younger priest, as well as a female medical student. And the three of them head to a remote house to exercise a young pregnant woman, only to find themselves under siege from a satanic cult looking to claim the child. So it sounds almost like um, a mix of Exorcist, uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose, and uh, Rosemary's Baby. A little bit, maybe? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a script by Stacy Chabosky and John Eric Dowdle and Drew Dowdle. Um, they were the writers. No of, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Dowdle is such a common last name. Yeah. Uh, they, they wrote Quarantine and the Poughkeepsie Tapes and the Coup. I never saw the Poughkeepsie Tapes. Did you ever see that one? No, I didn't. I've, I've heard mixed things. I've heard some people say it's like really, really good. It's like the best found footage movie they've ever seen. And then I've heard other people say it's just shite. Best found footage movie they've ever seen. That's kind of a relative statement, I think. That's true. <laughs> That's like being the tallest midget. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Quarantine, I thought, was pretty good. Um, it was a good adaptation of Wreck. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those adaptations that was, like, almost identical. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was one of those movies that... It was good, like, the first, maybe second time I watched it, but now it's just kind of like, eh. <laughs> but, yeah, I could see that. Um, this is... Uh, kind of a change for him I, I think because uh, 
he typically writes and directs. Right, I was going to say that. So the fact that he's working off somebody else's script might be a bit of a, a new thing for him. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how I feel about it, because I'm used to him writing his own stuff. Yeah. So it's... You can't just be excited about it because he's directing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he does have a... Kind of an edge and... Fucking sirens. Um, kind of an edge and a, a vision of his own, I guess, that kind of gives his movies a certain flair. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he... He he enjoys his jokes. I mean, that, that's how he started his career, was doing stand-up comedy. That's true. So, um... Yeah, I mean, this must be the, because on the on the Movie Crypt podcast, he had spoken about a movie that he was um, in talks with, and he, he couldn't reveal any news about it yet. I wonder if this is what he was talking about. It must about. be. Yeah. Because I don't see how he could be that far in talks with somebody else and then have this come along and all of a sudden just be signed on to it. Yeah. Um, and we know, I mean, well, people that follow him know that he's been trying to get killer pizza made for years now so yeah um but yeah uh it'd be interesting to see like i said what, what he'll do with somebody else's work and and uh where, where he can take it so yeah we we um tony and i both are big adam green fans so we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on this yeah grab your tennis shoes and your canoe and your old flat top guitar your fishing pole, your tent full of holes, and throw it in the back of the car. We're going camping. Are you ready for some camping? Out in the woods. That leads us to our last news story. I know it's been a, a, a long haul. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about an event that's kind of a nationwide event, sort of. Um, it's called the, the Great Horror Campout. Yeah, it's um, basically an immersive camping experience where you you go to this campground and you're you're basically in a horror movie. Yeah, um, I mean you've got costume characters, uh, you know, killers just following you and, and stalking you around this camp, um, and it, it, yeah, like Taylor said, it's basically supposed to put you into uh, you know kind of a, a lakeside camp out horror movie um, yeah it started in LA last year this is only its second year but it's already gone nationwide yeah uh, Mark Cuban invested two million dollars in it, it is, uh, it's it's the, on the shark tank actually yeah it's the biggest deal in shark tank history mm -hmm. so it was able to go nationwide um, it's it's actually going to be here uh, late July. Yeah. Um, it's that, it, birthday present for Taylor, possibly. <clears throat> have you seen the ticket prices? Yeah, they're like two hundred dollars. Yeah, you there. Uh, you have two options. You can get a four-person tent for one hundred thirty-nine dollars a ticket. So that means that you can either have four of your buddies and you, or you, or you and three of your buddies, I guess. You can all buy one tent for like five hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, or if you're just on your own, that means you're going to be sharing a tent with three other strangers. Um, another option is to get a two-person tent, which is probably more friendly to people that are that don't want to go alone. 
uh, I mean, that's an option where you can actually have just a tent alone with you and a friend. Um, but those tickets are going to run you $203. Um, the ticket price includes overnight tent accommodations, continental breakfast, parking, hell hunt experience, canvas hell hunt bag, um, horror movies, and marshmallows. Um, Glad marshmallows are included. Yeah. Well, I imagine they'll probably have a campfire. Uh, make s'mores. Um, but, but chocolate and graham crackers are extra. Yeah, you bring your own chocolate and graham crackers. <laughs> um, it's actually started already. By the time you by the time you guys hear this, actually, even by the time we're recording this, it has actually started in L.A. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, yeah, it started on uh, June 6th. Today, it's also June 7th. It's also in Los Angeles. Um, on the 20th, June 20th and 21st, it's in Houston. Uh, 27th and 28th in Austin. Uh, July 11th and 12th in San Francisco. July 18th and 19th, Sacramento. July 25th and 26th in Seattle. August 1st and 2nd in Portland. Uh, that's Portland, Oregon. Um, August 15th and 16th in San Diego. And August 22nd and 23rd in San Bernardino. So it kind of jumps around a bit. It's, it's weird that it goes... California, and then like up to Washington, and then back down the coast to California again. Well, it goes from California out to Texas, and then back to California, and then, oh, yeah. and then back to California. <laughs> uh, so I guess maybe it's not nationwide, but it is. it does expand um, pretty far. And those are some hot points, I think, where a, a, a large area of people can come to them. Yeah, and there's, there's actually different zones where uh, the the ticket prices differ, but the, the, basically, the the black zone is the prices that that you said, and that's that's the most immersive zone. That's the the uh, where you get the, the the most experience. Yeah. And then there's an orange zone, a green zone, and a red zone. Um, there's a, a a chicken zone, which is for you know people who don't want the full experience. They just want a little bit scared. Which seems to me like what's the point of that? Right, really people with too much money to spend um, um but yeah this sounds awesome i know you spoke briefly to the people at crypticon right yeah i wanted to set up an interview um but the fact that it's already starting maybe difficult well not not so much difficult i mean i'm sure we still could i just i mean the fact that it's already going is it worth it i mean oh i see what you mean so i don't know i haven't decided yet we still might try and get them on. Yeah. If, if nothing else, maybe to talk about maybe what they're planning for next year. Uh, so we'll see. True. Stay tuned. Yeah, this is uh, it's from a company called 1031 Productions, which I assume is a Halloween reference. I assume so, yeah. Um, and yeah, if you want to check them out, you can go to greathorrorcampout.com. They have uh, you know more information there, safety information. You can buy tickets there. Um, and you can also find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, which, you know, all the links are on their website. And, uh, if you want to buy Taylor a birthday present, you can, uh, you can buy me tickets to the Great Horror Campout. Yep. I will let you. Um, yeah, so it's, from their website, it's the Great Horror Campout. It's a 12 hour overnight interactive horror camping adventure. Campers can choose their level of engagement by their choice of activities and tent zone it can be an extreme horror adventure or a more mild horror adventure. It's completely up to the camper. Regardless of how high the camper chooses to turn up the volume on their experience, 
all content is strictly for entertainment purposes, and no time will campers ever be in real danger. So, oh darn! I know. For me, it seems like if I'm being chased after somebody, I feel like my inclination would be to strike back. <laughs> yeah, this might not be good for you. Yeah, I feel like you would like fight somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's like. I don't know. Somebody would like come at you with a machete and you'd be like, oh, motherfucker, kick him in the asshole or something. Take out my own machete. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's just like if I'm in my tent trying to sleep and some fucker opens it with, you know, an axe or something, I'm, you know, fight or flight <laughs> kicks in at that point. So. Yeah, I feel like uh, you'd be more fight and I'd be more flight. <laughs> I'd like shove you in front of him. Be like, I'll take him! <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah like taylor said great horror check it out um if you've got between was it 140 to 200 some odd dollars to to blow then uh, i would highly recommend this because it looks fucking awesome yeah and if anybody's been to it um by all means email us at graveplotpodcast at gmail.com or maybe leave us a voicemail at 858-848-PLOT we would love to hear about your experience. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for horror business, finally. Yeah. Um, I know we said last episode we were going to try and keep our episodes down. Um, obviously, this is an exception because we are dealing with four weeks' worth of horror business here. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed our Crypticon episode, but now it kind of left us with a backup of horror business. So Yeah, hopefully uh, next episode we'll be able to get back on track. Keep, keep them tight. Keep them around two hours. Yeah. But, um, you know, hopefully it's just you're just going, oh, hey. The the more the merrier, the better value. Yeah. It's just more of a good thing. That's right. So uh, without further ado-do, let's move on <laughs> to our reviews. So, I don't know. I guess we didn't really pick these movies so much as they picked us. Yeah, they kind of uh, fell into our laps. Yeah, um, we we uh, obviously Godzilla came out and it's big right now. Um, <laughs> like three hundred feet tall, big. Uh, ah, Godzilla. Also, we were in contact with was a producer or just somebody involved with PR on a movie called All Cheerleaders Die. Yeah, somebody from modern modern cine. Um, productions. I'm not, I, I don't know exactly what their role was, but yeah. yeah, they're kind of just a. They they were kind enough to provide us with a screener. Yeah, that was uh, very very cool of them, and uh, we we appreciated it. Um. So, which one are you going to do first? Uh, let's go ahead and jump into all cheerleaders die first. Okay. Welcome to the squad, bitch. <laughs> Oh, crazy friggin' dream. What is uh, happening? All four of you died last night. I saved you. Lena's a witch. That's not nice, Maddie. You shouldn't call people names. You guys are okay? Sure. 
So this movie is from 2014. It is actually a remake of a movie from 2001, which was an extremely low-budget movie. Um, and it's actually being remade by the same filmmakers. Uh, it's written and directed by Chris Sivertson, or maybe Sievertson, and Lucky McKee. You probably recognize the name Lucky McKee from May or The Woman. Um, he also did one of the Masters of Horror, which I can't remember the name of now. Uh, the name escapes me. Um, Lucky McKee is an interesting figure. He's got kind of a reputation as a feminist director, although he says that he himself does not identify as that. Uh, some other people seem to think that he uh, likes to portray himself as a feminist when he's actually not. So he's he's got fans and detractors. I think we're probably, at least I, I can't speak for you, but I'm at the mentality of where I don't really give a shit one way or the other. I really don't either. Like, I don't watch his movies and try to d- decipher whether or not he's a feminist. I just watch his movies for, yeah. for what they are, for an entertainment value. And I, I try not to dig too deep into the uh, philosophy of them. Yeah. Um, but he, he does have a tendency to have very strong female leads, and this movie is no exception. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the movie is about a group of cheerleaders. And, and they um, all die. And they all die. And the movie's over. <laughs> there you go. There's your review. Hey. Hope you like it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not quite what I expected. I gotta say when I, like, I didn't read any of any plots or synopses or anything like that before I watched it. Neither did I. I was went into this completely blind. Yeah, me too. And I, I actually thought that it was going to be more of a slasher and I expected the cheerleaders to be the victims. But in truth, the, the cheerleaders actually die towards the beginning of the movie and come back as pseudo zombies. Okay, let's go with that. Um, yeah, basically, what happens is um, there's a girl, Maddie, who she's kind of like the outcast, but she has a very popular friend, uh, Alexis, who is like I think she's like the head cheerleader, very popular, very outspoken. She's on the cheerleading squad at least. Yeah. She's not the head cheerleader. Um, and they, but they're childhood friends. They're you know. They're polar opposites, but they're childhood friends and you know, best friends, um, and very close. Uh, while Alexis is performing a, a cheerleading stunt, basically that she, you know, that, that she's lifted up and then dropped and supposed to be caught, but she slips and falls on her head and crushes her neck. Yeah, that and it's like that opening scene has when she lands on her neck. There's this crunch. Mm-hmm. Sound effect that is just heinous. Yeah, um, and I had to actually watch that part a couple of times because I think I, 
I think I got distracted by something, so I went back to it. Oh. Because I, 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 like, I saw at the corner of my eye what had happened, but I wasn't sure. Like, did I just see that? Yeah. But anyway. So shortly after um, Alexis is obviously dead, um, her boyfriend, Terry, starts dating another cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And this just throws Maddie through a loop, or for a loop. Um, and she decides that she's going to join the cheerleading squad in some way of getting revenge. Yeah, it's not entirely clear what her plan was. Um, she just wanted to ruin um, Terry and Tracy's lives. Yeah. And she figured she could do that better from the inside, I guess. Yeah. And so she kind of... It's not very clear on whether or not she... I mean, it starts out with her intention to pretend to get close with them and become friends with these cheerleaders. Um, but it, it kind of seems as if she actually does become actual friends with them. Yeah. To an extent, anyway. Um, and a, a, a big brawl with the football players breaks out because Terry is fucked up. He's an asshole. He is a total prick. Um, and they go off a cliff in their car and they all die. Um, Maddie's ex girlfriend um, pulls them out of this river and does some kind of Wiccan ritual spell on them. Yeah, with crystals. She's yeah. got these different crystals that do something. It's just something or other. Yeah, it's, it's not like clearly defined what, what exactly the purpose of the crystals are, but yeah, she uses these crystals in some kind of ceremony to bring them back. Yeah. Um, and for all intents and purposes, they're alive, but they are corpses. I mean, they're not really decomposing, but they're not healing, I guess. I mean, they have wounds that aren't healing. Um, and they uh, crave blood. Yeah. So maybe... Yeah, it's not, not really flesh like a zombie. It's, it's it's literally blood. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of the Revenant. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so... And, and basically, they, as a team, kind of go out and start getting revenge on these football players that were responsible for their deaths. So yeah. that, that, that's that's kind of the, the plot overall. Yeah, and um, two, two of the cheerleaders, Hannah and Martha, who are sisters, um, when they come back, they change bodies. Right. But uh, I, I really n- never figured out what the purpose of that storyline was. The purpose? I don't know. Um I've got the impression that they, like maybe their essences and essences got crossed or something, and they just came back wrong. I guess. So, um, yeah. So yeah, what did you think? Uh, <laughs> in short, I didn't care for this. Um, I will say the effects were not great. Nope. There was a lot of CGI. And not great CGI. Yeah. Um, there's one scene where one of the cheerleaders is, like, doing something to this guy. I don't know exactly what it is she's doing, but his blood is flying out of his face right. at her. And the blood is sticking to the camera, 
which, as you know, I, I hate. Yeah, I'm watching that thing, and Taylor's going to hate that. But it doesn't stick to her face. Right. <laughs> it just goes, like, straight into her mouth. Or yeah, but it's, like, hitting her face. Yeah. But it, yet there's no residue or anything on, on her face of the blood. Ugh. And, uh... Yeah, the the whole story with the crystals, I thought, seemed a little unnecessary. It seemed like they could have had the same basic story without adding in the crystals. Yeah. Hi, Dexie. Um, Dexter. Seems like they, uh, they could have just had them come back as zombies. Yeah. I mean, no explanation. How often is a zombie movie given an explanation? Well, yeah, and I, I, th- I think she just could have done some kind of ceremony without having to use the crystals. I mean, the crystals do come into play later, mm-hmm. which I think it would be too much of a spoiler to say exactly how, but they, they do come into play in their destruction. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, like you said, they could have just come back as zombies and they could have just been, you know, shoot them in the head kind of zombies. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, this... This movie really just seemed like another generic teen movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like it looked like something I'd watch on MTV. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see, like, the appeal of it to an extent. Yeah. And, I mean, I've, I've never seen the original. But I can see where they could say that they liked the storyline enough to try and remake it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do see the merit in it, but it's it personally doesn't appeal to me. Like yeah. you said, it, it does feel like a teen horror movie. Yeah, and it feels like one of those like um, my my Psycho Sweet Sixteen yeah, MTV it, movies. Exactly. Um, and to me, all the characters seem very unbelievable. They're very very archetypical. Yeah, I mean, like it's very like your jocks and your cheerleaders. Yeah, I mean, like I'm sitting there watching. And I'm thinking, you know, I went to high school. I knew cheerleaders personally, and like they were not this bitchy. <laughs> I mean, it's like they were just bitches for the sake of being bitches. And yeah, they actually called themselves bitches. <laughs> yeah. Um, like they were they were the bitches, and the football players were the dogs, and that got really tired tiresome. Um, just listening to them say that over and over it's like that's so stupid you're forcing it yeah that's yeah that's exactly what it is, is it, it was being forced yeah um and uh and Terry I think overall or most of all was just over the top oh yeah definitely I mean like I knew I knew some assholes in high school but that guy was like just a concentrated version of all of them. King Dick. Yeah. And and for no real reason other than that he's just a prick. Yeah. Um, Like, even before, like, the the shit starts going down with the cheerleaders coming back to life, he's just, he's just an asshole in general. Yeah, and he catches, like, I mean, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, a little bit, um, but at one point, or at a point in the movie, he discovers what's going on like he discovers that these girls have come back to life and that powers because they also have like 
kind of superhuman strength. Mm -hmm. He discovers their powers are coming from these glowing crystals. So he starts going after them to steal these crystals. Yeah, he like at at one point he's literally like rips them out with his bare hands. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there thinking, why? What purpose does he have to do that? I mean, he doesn't know what they are. He doesn't know what they can do. I mean, for all he would know, he, you know, he 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 would take the crystals and swallow them, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, maybe nothing's going to happen. Maybe you just have a crystal in your stomach now. Well, yeah, I couldn't figure out if he like was trying to gain superhuman powers, or if he just I don't even know what. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's just a dick for the sake of being a dick. Yeah. And it just escalates throughout the movie. He just becomes more and more of an asshole. Yeah. Um, to the point of becoming, like, psychotic. Right. Um, I think, overall, the movie took so long to just get going. Yeah. Um, I mean, so much of the movie, I think probably half the movie, if I remember right, was not... Like, they hadn't even died yet. The Chile's hadn't even died yet. Mm-hmm. There's just all this build-up to it that I don't... It's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, um... Like, with... With Terry, it... It seemed like he was trying to cover his ass. He was trying to, you know, hide the fact that he was responsible for these cheerleaders dying. Yeah. By... Killing them again, I guess. Yeah. When when it seems like it would have been easier to just say, "Oh no, they're alive, they're fine." Yeah. Um, you know, like if somebody was like, "Oh, you murdered these girls," he could just say, "Abius corpus, bitch," <laughs> which means show me the body. Very good. I see you've been studying your Latin. Indeed. I mean, indeedus. <laughs> um. After the the kind of ritual or ceremony that brings the girls back to life, um, Lena, who's Maddie's ex-girlfriend, the one that brought them back. Who, again, is like super stereotypical witch girl. Yeah. Like uh, hippie chick. Definitely. Um, she kind of becomes sort of the de facto leader. Of yeah. Um, and... Which I guess kind of makes sense. She's the one that brought him back to life. She kind of has power over that, I suppose. But I, I guess my, my point is like um, the crystals that bring the girls back to life—they actually embed themselves in the girl's body. Mm-hmm. Usually, like yeah, I think most of them were through an open wound. They had like one girl had it on her on her back. One was in her head. Yeah. Uh, I think another one was in, in the chest. Um, they, um, but Maddie. Like they all, all the other girls had um, green crystals, but Lena had a purple one, and it planted itself on the surface in her chest. Yeah, it was like right at the bottom, at the base of her neck. Yeah, like about where like a necklace would sit, mm-hmm. you know, a pendant. Um, but she's she's walking around with these girls that at least a handful of guys know are dead. Yeah, she saw them die, um, and she's got this glowing crystal in her like implanted in her chest and nobody seems to notice <laughs> uh, I know that I would be a little uh, perturbed about that um, yep. 
Especially when I could tell that there were no, you know, no batteries. Or, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's just so much weird shit going on in this movie, and none of it was very good. Yeah, there was uh, some plot holes, definitely. Huge ones. Um, and like at one point, one of them kills Lena's cat. Yeah. Which like it was like when they first wake up the next morning after dying and she just I don't know like she like swats at the cat or something and knocks it across the room mm-hmm. and Lena's like oh, well kill Matt you killed Madeline <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> um yeah just the, the characters seemed kind of underdeveloped I guess whole movie did really yeah I mean the the plot was paper thin mm-hmm. there wasn't much to it at all the characters were underdeveloped like you said um and the, the execution was I mean, the whole thing put together was just bleh. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it kind of seemed like like they wanted to make a zombie movie or at least like a you know resurrected movie but they didn't want it to be the same movie as anything else yeah so they like added in these superfluous things that didn't necessarily need to be there and didn't really add anything to the story yeah like the, i feel like the crystals were that way and then like just you know the way that terry addressed them seemed un- over the top yeah uh but i feel like if someone were to come to me and say, you know, I I rented All Cheerleaders Die, what do you think? I'm not going to tell them, don't fucking watch that. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I feel like it's it's good enough where I'd be like, oh, well, you know, enjoy it. But I, I'm not going to... If someone's like, hey, what movie should I rent? I'm not going to say, you should rent All Cheerleaders Die. Right. For me, honestly, I think I would probably try to steer somebody away from it. Yeah. I mean, if they had already rented it, I'm like, I'd probably just say, okay, yeah, whatever, watch it. Um, but if they ask me what they should rent, or ask ask me if they if they should rent this movie, uh, I would, like I said, steer them away from it. What if they were like, I'm thinking about either renting All Cheerleaders Die or Six Degrees of Hell. Oh, this one. <laughs> You wouldn't be like, you should kill yourself. <laughs> um, no. And you know, the, the the classic redeemer in a movie that's just really going nowhere, when some chick takes off her top, that just kept not happening. And then it finally did happen, and I just kind of sat there and I was like, eh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it, it didn't really improve anything. I don't know. I, I, I think basically, yeah, this movie just really left me unenthused. Feeling like, why did I just watch this? I don't know. I, I guess I don't have strong opinions on it. One of the way. Or the that's other. yeah. That's kind of where I feel. Like I don't. I don't hate it. Yeah. But I don't love it. I'm just kind of. Blah. Yeah. I feel like if it's, I... It's a movie. 
I feel like if I, I mean, you know, who the fuck am I, but if I were to be handed this movie before it had been released, or like if it was like um, a first cut, maybe, if I could watch it and then, you know, I take some notes and say, here, add these things, take these things out. There was a car chase, so you wouldn't have to tell them that. But there wasn't a scary there stuff. There was no scary stuff. <laughs> um, so that, that would be your note? Yeah. Needs scary stuff. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I guess I don't really have a lot to say on this. I mean, that's it. I mean, like, I hate... I I like Lucky McKee's movies. Yeah. The ones that I've seen. But this one just fell flat for me. Yeah. Um, same here. It's, and like I said, it's not something where I'm going to be, like, steering people away from it. Because I don't hate it. But it just didn't... It didn't leave an, an impression on me. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, it was decent enough in the moment. I think that's that's a good way to put it. But I I wouldn't watch it again. No. Yeah. This is. Uh, it wasn't painful to watch. Yeah. I mean, I. I this was this would be a movie where if I had already seen it and. Um, for instance, the director wanted to come on the show. I would have been a little apprehensive about it because I just don't think I'd have a lot to say. I wouldn't. I would fucking love to have Lucky McKee on the show. Well, I mean, about this movie in particular. Oh, okay. Yeah, if I had, if we had Lucky McKee on the show, I'd be asking lots of questions about May. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, be, uh, he'd be like, so have you guys seen All Cheerleaders Die? And he'd be like, so in The Woman... <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't think I really have anything else to say on this. Um. Yeah, me neither. One thing that I thought was, I don't know, interesting was one one of the the cheerleaders is banging this guy. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, it's so cold." Yeah, and then he goes off and tells his friend uh, that he got some. And- he's like, "I got all up in that freezer or something yeah. like that." <laughs> freezer like yeah it's supposed to be cold right it's supposed to be cold (laughs) uh so yeah that's like something it's one of those like little things that's funny yeah this i i I saw one review that called it a horror comedy i don't know if it was officially billed as a horror comedy i didn't really get a lot of comedy out of it um i got intended comedy but But a lot um, Enough where you would bill it as a horror comedy? Well, I don't think I'd bill it as straight as straight horror. Yeah, I suppose that's true. What would you bill it as? I don't think teen horror is a subgenre. Uh, horror comedy. Oh, all right. Well, fuck me then. But it wasn't funny. That's the thing. <laughs> that's what, that's what I was getting at. It's like I saw intended horror, but it didn't make me laugh. All right. I didn't even get that. So, although at at the end. Um, when at the, after the very end of the movie, before the credits roll, it said, "All cheerleaders die." Part one. Uh, yeah, I I noticed that. Does that mean what I think it means? I, th- I think that's the only thing it could mean. <laughs> um, I don't know why. I mean, well, I mean, apparently the, the the reception for this has been pretty positive. It's been yeah, from what I've read. Um, so 
maybe it does warrant a sequel. And, 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 I, I guess I should say the the ending kind of leaves it open for a sequel too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not kind of. It definitely does. Um, but I didn't get the ending. It's like I'm watching it, thinking, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> um, and then it just ends. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think on numbers? Um, well, like I said, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It just kind of fell dead in the middle for me. So I'm going to give it a five. Fair enough. Um, kind of in the same boat. I mean, didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Um, but I didn't like it. It's a movie that I would probably like try like I said I would steer people away from watching it um and like if I was you know if if for instance I was like at your house or something and you said hey you want to watch all cheerleaders die I'd say no let's watch something else <laughs> so it's kind of one of those movies for me um and that being the case uh I think I'd give it a four all right, not terrible. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to our other movie, also from 2014, a uh, small, low-budget, independent feature, um, based on a little-known Japanese movie. <laughs> uh, it's called Godzilla. Godzilla. I want to talk to somebody in charge. You are not fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster. You're lying. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. Send us back to the Stone Age! God help us all. In 1954, we awakened something. Well, there's nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They were trying to kill it. You have no idea what's coming. Can you kill it? thinking nature is in our control. And not the other way around. Hey, 
So this movie um, spends a lot of time about Walter White raising his son Kickass. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. The the uh, the movie starts out in 1999, and uh, there's there's two different um, stories there. One of them is in the Philippines where they find a giant fossil and some giant eggs. And yep. they, they uh, of course, keep them, because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, why not? Uh, and then the other story is in Japan, where Walter White um, works at a nuclear power plant. Nuclear? Nuclear. At a nuclear power plant. In Java. I said that. Yeah. And, uh. But I'm saying it, uh. And then the second story is in Japan. In, uh. Janjira? Um, yep. where, uh, Walter White, uh, who in this movie is Joe. something? Brody. Brody, yeah. Um, Brian Cranston. Uh, he works at a nuclear power plant with his wife, and something goes wrong at the power plant. They don't really explain what happened. There's some kind of explosion. They just blame it on um, well, well, seismic. Yeah, what happened is, yeah, there's uh, unusual seismic activity, basically. Uh, yeah, but they, they don't really explain. They go into further explanation than that. Yeah. And, uh, but... Um, Joe knows that something is weird about it. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of where his character kind of takes the center stage a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, his his wife was it Suzanne? Uh, Sandra. Okay. Yeah. She uh, she ends up dying in the aftermath. In the calamity, yeah. and then we jump forward fifteen years to um, San Francisco, and Joe's son Ford, who, as Tony mentioned, is played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's best known as Kickass. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the words of my girlfriend, he grew up. Yeah, which I know what that means. <laughs> I'm not stupid. Well, it's like I didn't recognize him at first. Neither did I. Well, I like I recognized him, but I didn't recognize him as Kickass. I was like, "Where do I know that guy from?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I, I looked him up on IMDb, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Kickass!" Yeah, he got fucking yoked. Well, I, I have you seen part two? No, I guess he's like fucking chiseled in part two. Um, I, I'd seen pictures of him in part two, and I know that he was kind of built up, but he wasn't thick like he was. In yeah, this. that's true. Yeah, he plays a. Uh, a navy, not a seal. No, he he uh, he's a bomb disposal expert. Right, but I mean he's an army guy, so he's got that kind of navy. Yeah, military. Sorry, <laughs> he's a he's a military guy, so he's got that kind of build. Um. So yeah, they they he uh, Joe, they think he's crazy because he keeps talking about things in the in Japan. Um, he talks about something talking and, uh, they go to Japan and they just, the buildings are wrecked and they're wearing gas masks and they're talking about the radiation. 
which I kind of wondered was a art imitating life kind of thing with Fukushima um, and the whole radiation there. Uh, I mean, I, I, it might have been, it might have just been part of the story, but it, it seems like something they'd have to maybe um, kind of proceed with caution because I mean that's you know it's still somewhat recent, so you don't want to. Well, yeah, I mean the effects are still being felt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I mean that was just that was the way it felt to me was that it was a little bit of art imitating life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically they uh, they take this egg thing and uh, they decide to shoot it with lasers. Because why not? Because that's you know that's the logical thing to do. It's, and uh, this is the future, damn it! <laughs> no, we not. Use, we use lasers. Oh, now is the future is what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Because yeah, this is 2014 in the movie, as opposed to the 50s, the original Godzilla. Yeah, which is funny. They do make reference to when they're when they're first talking about Godzilla. They say that he first emerged in 1954, which is when the first movie was made. Yeah, which I thought was was clever. Yeah, and then also uh, Ken Watanabe's character, who has become Hollywood's like go-to Asian guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was like like was it like Pat Morita, Jackie Chan, Chow Young Fat. <laughs> And now now it's guy. Ken Watanabe. <laughs> yeah. Um, he plays a character named Ishiro Serizawa. And the thing that's funny about that is that there was a Dr. Serizawa in the original Godzilla. Mm. And the director of the original Godzilla was Ishiro Honda. Mm. So they took his first name and then they lay the same last name as the character. So there's there's little homages in there that are, yeah, that for are sure. quaint. Um, and that's those are th- some of them are things that like you have to really know Godzilla. To get them, yeah, there are things that I found out looking up. Like I didn't, I've, I assumed the 1954 thing was a reference, mm-hmm. but I, I did have to look it up to be sure. Yeah, and then in looking that up, that's when I found out this thing about Ishiro Serizawa. Mm. Um, but yeah, they uh, they uncover these mudos, which is a massive unidentified terrestrial organism, and they look like they kind of look like bats. Almost, yeah. Just big, giant, almost like but they're, they're, insect bats. Yeah, and their heads kind of—they're like kind of shaped like a, like an eagle, you know, or like, a falcon. Their you know, their faces reminded me of, especially with the glowing red eyes. They reminded me of uh, the Violator from Spawn. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then these uh, these mudos just start wrecking shit. And what's weird is the, the, the mudo flies away, and they have to go and find him. And they're just like, well, we're just going to tell people it was an earthquake. How does nobody see this giant fucking black flying mudo bat violator dickhead flying over their head? Yeah, this thing... Stands probably a good like fifty stories tall. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's not something that's easily missed. Exactly, and yet somehow nobody sees it yeah. until it gets to uh, where did it go? Uh, Hawaii. That's right, Hawaii. Yeah, Waikiki. And then uh, while it's in Hawaii, there's a massive tidal wave caused by a giant lizard coming out of the ocean. Godzilla! Ah, Godzilla monster! <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so basically they kind of create this team um, combined with characters you met already and uh, with military officers that just leading this kind of strike on Godzilla and the Mutos. Uh, and you kind of find out that Godzilla is has been has existed for millions of years. He's like a, a, a prehistoric. They, they call uh, they call him an, like an alpha predator, mm-hmm. um, and he feeds on um, radioactivity. And w- when he when the world was young, basically, and the radi- radiation levels were unlivable, that's when he lived on the surface. But as radiation levels declined and it was more towards the core of the core of the planet, he made his way and, and lived within the Earth, basically. Right. And in 1954, they set off the uh, the radioactive bomb, and that was what woke him up the first time. Well, was it that? I thought that was kind of a cover up um, as an attempt for them to attempt to try and kill Godzilla. Because I feel like there was a point where they said that um, those uh, the the, re, the nuclear bomb test in in 1954 um, that was our early attempt to try to destroy him. I feel like that's what I remember. You you might be right. I I, I don't recall now. Um, the uh, the biggest gripe with this movie was that Godzilla doesn't get enough screen time. Which I can I can kind of understand. Um, I have in my notes, it was 55 minutes into the movie before he made his first appearance. Yeah, and that was brief. Yeah. Like, less than a minute. But to me, my, my qualm wasn't so much with his lack of screen time, but the fact that he seemed to be overshadowed by the Mudos. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually have it here in my notes. Why is this movie even called Godzilla? Yeah. Aside from the fact that Godzilla is in it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because like, the original Godzilla did not feature any other monsters. Right. It was just Godzilla wrecking shit. Yeah, like that came later where he fought Mothra and all those other... But the original Godzilla was... It was just Godzilla. And he fought with, you know, the army and the, the, the people. Yeah. He didn't fight other monsters. This one, it, it really feels like it's a movie about the Mudos and then there just happens to be a giant monster in it also. Yeah. Um, it, it, like, like, like you said, it, it takes forever for Godzilla to show up. Which I'm okay with, because that's the way it was in the original, too. The original took a long time for Godzilla to make an appearance. The original wasn't two hours long. That's true. <laughs> I mean, if, it, if this was an hour and a half movie and he shows up half an hour, 45 minutes into it, that's one thing. The fact that it's two hours and he doesn't show up till halfway through the movie. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Um, and like you said, the, it was more a movie about the Mudos. Mm-hmm. Which was... The Mudos weren't even interesting creatures. Not really. All they did was stomp around and destroy things, which obviously that's Godzilla's M.O. to an extent. Um, but... The Mudos didn't even fight the humans, I guess. They more they just they, they, just, they basically just wrecked stuff because they were so big. Yeah. 
I mean, they weren't doing it intentionally so much. Um, and they kind of discover when the first one hatches and flies away. Another one hatches. Um, is it Vegas. Was it in Vegas? Yeah. Well, it was in Nevada. I don't know if it was in Vegas itself, but it was in Nevada. Right. Another one hatches. It's a, it's a female, and they realize that these two, they're trying to find each other to mate. Right. Bang, um, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> um, so, it, basically everything else is just kind of collateral damage. Um, and they're giving off um, an electromagnetic pulse, which <laughs> that's what's attracting Godzilla. Yeah. Um, so they realize there's a point where all three are going to converge. Right. Uh, so, and, and even when Godzilla shows up, like I said, actual FaceTime, I'd say that he is in the movie, like, not watching his feet stomp things, not watching his back swim through water, but actual full-on Godzilla in the movie... Less than 15 minutes. I would agree, yeah. And that's insane. Like, I didn't keep track, but I, I was going to... Before you even finish your sentence, I was going to say around 10 minutes. Yeah. And that, that's, that's... That's stupid. I mean, regardless of the fact that maybe the original barely had... Or, you know, Godzilla wasn't around till later in the movie. Maybe that's the case. Um, but it doesn't mean that they needed to recreate that. Because they know what people want to see. They know that people want to see Godzilla. Not Mudos, not Walter White, not Kick-Ass. They want to see fucking Godzilla. That's what they paid their ticket. Not for. the third Olsen sister. Right. Or, or the hot Olsen, as they call it. Yeah. Um, she, she looks a lot better than the other two these days. Sure does. Um, that would be Elizabeth Olsen, for those of you unaware, who plays um, Ford's wife. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they... I don't know. I just... No, I agree with you. If you're going to have a movie <coughs> called Godzilla, then Godzilla needs to be the primary focus of the movie mm-hmm. and not just this character that just kind of shows up at the end and, you know... Walks off into the sunset. Yeah. Um, and... The I will... Car- Go ahead. I was just say the... the even though most of the movie centered around the humans, the humans weren't all that interesting. Not particularly, no. I mean, you got these familiar faces to play these characters. Um, I mean, we had, like you said, Aaron Taylor Thomas playing Ford. Johnson. Um, hmm? Aaron Taylor Johnson. What did I say? Thomas. You were thinking of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. As you often do. Yes. <laughs> He's in my dreams. Um... Ken Watanabe, uh, Brian Cranston, Elizabeth Olsen, um, had uh, David Strahan as uh, uh, Admiral Stentz, uh, Richard T. Jones as uh, Captain Hampton. Um, I mean, just these familiar faces, whether it be a TV or or film, whichever. These are people you've seen before, and even these these characters from these familiar faces, they just he just didn't care, I guess. And maybe that was due in part to the fact that you just anticipation of 
Godzilla. Yeah, could be. And you know what pissed me off most is the fact that, and it doesn't shock me that they did this at all, it shouldn't shock anyone, the commercials made it look like the movie was all about Godzilla. Yeah. So the fact that he was barely in it, I feel cheated. <laughs> um, but like I was saying, uh, they uh, people paid ticket prices to see Godzilla, not people talking about Godzilla. Yeah, and fighting other monsters. Yeah, it was it was almost like they had this monster movie. And then they acquired the rights to the name Godzilla, and they kind of shoehorned Godzilla in there. Yeah. Like, I mean, it definitely has the feel of the old Godzilla movies, Like, but like, like Godzilla vs. Mothra. It has the feel of that. Yeah. Whereas I feel like this could make a good sequel. Sure, yeah. Like, this could be Godzilla vs. the Mudos. Mm-hmm. But Godzilla, if you're just going to call a movie Godzilla then Godzilla needs more screen time. Yeah. Godzilla needs to be the main focus of the movie. And I think that's my biggest, my beef is not his lack of screen time, but it's just the fact that he seemed to take a backseat. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of a, a witty comparison, but I'm drawing a blank here. Um, it, it would be like, um, having uh, a Robin Hood movie and Robin Hood's only in like the last half hour. Yeah. It would be like having a Robin Hood movie where most of the movie is about little John. Yeah. Um, we're having like a Dracula movie where most of the movie is about Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> or having a werewolf movie about a couple girls with the rage virus. <laughs> yeah. Who would do that? <laughs> um, but I will say, like, the, the monster fight scenes, once Godzilla and the Mudos started going at it in Las Vegas, and then again in San Francisco, were fucking badass. They were pretty sweet, yeah. Um, my one uh, kind of gripe with that, though, is that, I mean... A lot of the fights, like the battle scenes, took place at night. True, and it was it was very dark. It was a little too dark. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's easy to create a nighttime scene, especially when it's the entire thing's in CGI. Uh, it's easy to create a nighttime scene where you could still see things, um, and especially me, in Las Vegas. Well, uh, although the power was out, the wasn't electricity it? That's true. Out, yeah. Sorry. Um. So, just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just I was really kind of let down by this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Because I don't want to say that I didn't like it. Yeah, but I will say I was let down. I think I had higher expectations, and it, it didn't meet them. Yeah, and especially because my dad, um, my dad had seen it, and you know, he and I are pretty in tune with each other as far as like what movies we like. I mean, it's not a hundred percent, but most of the time. If, one of us likes a movie, the other one will invariably like it too. Um, but uh, yeah, he 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 said he 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 enjoyed this one, and I was just I don't know. It, was, it also came highly recommended to us by Cleve Hall. Yeah, 
True. When we met him at Crypticon, he he raved about it. Yeah, he, he I forgot about that. Yeah. So that's disappointing. I mean, like I said, I just feel like if this had been a a sequel, a later movie in the series, which by the way, the sequel has already been greenlit. Of course. Um, but if this had been Godzilla Two, Godzilla versus the Mudos, I think it would be more well received at least for me personally, than having this be the origin story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Uh, <coughs> with so much source material, um, and being able not only to, to learn from the successes and failures of not only the original movies, but also that Godzilla 2000 in with with fucking Ferris Bueller um I mean that the fact that Godzilla was a prominent feature in that movie really helped it I thought yeah I mean aside from the fact that Godzilla looked nothing like the original Godzilla which they did a surprisingly good job with this mhm I, I I do have I mean the the effects are Bang on. Yeah, I mean, regular regular listeners know my gripes against CGI in pretty much all forms, but obviously you can't have a guy walking around in a rubber suit nowadays. Yeah, uh, you know, in a, in a town of miniatures. But um, the CGI in this was very spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, like the first time the Godzilla did the the fire breath, I, I geeked out a little bit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, get him! I liked that it was blue. That was cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, rather than just kind of a basic, like, kind of, almost like a dragon type thing. Mm-hmm. It was just, it, it was more... It was like a radioactive. Yeah, exactly. Um, it kind of gave... Which fit with the... Yeah. The, the backstory. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, as as explained, it, like, Godzilla fed on radiation. And at one point they were trying to kill basically all three monsters like they were going to let them meet in one point I like when they they asked um um oh shit I forgot his name the um Ken Ken Watanabe's character uh Ishiro Serizawa Serizawa yeah they they asked him because they uh sorry I don't mean to step on your toes but they they were talking about blowing them up with a bomb yeah and he begs them not to Mm-hmm. So they ask him, you know, what do, what do we do? And he just says, let them fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was pretty badass. Yeah, I mean, what would it, what would a Godzilla movie be without a, just a giant monster fight, you know? Right. Um, Another thing that, that bugged me, too, was that the, the Mudos were made for this movie. Yeah. Like, they're not an original part of Godzilla lore. Yeah. I was like, Godzilla had fought so many other monsters, you couldn't have picked one of those? Yeah, they could have put fucking King Kong in it. <laughs> Or Mecha Godzilla. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that would be Pacific Rim. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the um, the they were preparing a nuclear warhead to kill all three monsters right. just in one blow, and they said that won't kill him. We tried that already, and um, oh jeez, it was uh, Cap- Captain uh, Hampton. Hampton. Captain Hampton. Is that who it was? Yep. Yeah. Um, 
he says that the nuclear bomb they used in the 50s is like a firework compared to the one Yeah, basically the, the technology is better. And I don't know if a lot of people picked up on this, but they were going to ignite a nuclear weapon with several megatons of isotope or um, not isotope, um, well, just several megatons of power. Um, and they're doing it right off the coast of California, where one of the most active fault lines in the world exists. <laughs> I did not pick up on that. <laughs> That's an excellent point. It's like, they must not like the western coast of the United States very much. Yeah, you would pretty much make California an island at that point. Yeah, it was the whole west fucking coast. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be Superman. Like, <laughs> uh, Superman 2. Th- 2 or 3? One of them. One of them. So. Yeah, I did not pick up on that. But I mean, overall, it wasn't a bad movie. No, it wasn't terrible. It was. It was. Watchable. It just didn't meet my expectations, especially for a Godzilla movie. Yeah, um, it, it's it's not something that, as opposed to like all trailers die, where I'd probably avoid it. Um, it's probably not something that I would seek out. But if somebody's like, "Hey, you want to watch Godzilla?" It's like, "Yeah, sure, fuck it." Yeah. Um. So, and yeah. if if like this was a new movie, if there was there was no back uh, canon, like nothing else, if this if this was an original idea, I would probably like it more. Yeah. Although I would still wonder why the movie was called Godzilla, if Godzilla had such little screen time. Right. Yeah, and that was that was my biggest gripe overall. Um, I mean, it was like even like we said, fifty five minutes into the movie before Godzilla makes an appearance, it's still like. 45 to 50 minutes before he's even mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a lot of tap dancing around his existence. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, even when he does show up 55 minutes into the movie, um, he is on screen for about a minute. Yeah, and it's mostly just his back. Yeah. Um, and then from there, almost... Almost the entire rest of the movie, when he's seen, it's his back floating in the water. Mm-hmm. It's not until, really, like the last 10, 15 minutes, when you see full-on Godzilla doing what he does, you know? Wrecking shit. Yeah. And fucking up other monsters. Word. Um, but, Godzilla looked cool, though. Yes, he did. I dug it. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Mudos were, they were cool looking. I guess. They were, um, they were different. They, they didn't really seem to be, like, they, they seemed like a very modern monster as opposed to any of the other kaiju. Kaiju, yeah. Um, are you ready for numbers? I guess. You want to go first? Um. Yeah, like like I said before, I didn't hate the movie. Um. But there was definitely a lot of things that were a lot of things that were missed, and um, uh, as you know, it's like we went on and on about the fact that Godzilla had so little screen time. The movie's fucking called Godzilla. Put Godzilla in the movie. 
Um, but the story was good. The as I mentioned before, the characters were a little dry, but they weren't terrible. Uh, I mean, you got and they were well acted. Yeah, they've got great actors. Then that I think that was key uh, that they they were believable characters despite not having a lot of substance to them. Um, and yeah, I mean, and like I said, for for a movie to impress me with CGI, that's saying something, I guess. Um, so, to that extent, I think I'm probably going to put this movie at a six. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on all points. I think it was well acted. I think the, the story was good. It just it just isn't what I expected. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing, is that I had high expectations going in, and that I expected... Like I, I feel like you could have made the same movie, give Godzilla all of the Mudo's screen time, and it would have been better. Yeah. So, um, given that, I am close to. I think I'm actually going to go just a hair above you. I'm going to give it a six and a half. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Yep. Uh, thanks for sticking around on this. Slightly longer than normal episode. Um, we hope that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope uh, stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks to Carlos Rodella for, for coming by. Uh, make sure you check out videogamebreak.net. Uh, listen to his podcast. Uh, subscribe to that. And while you're at it, might as well subscribe to us. We are on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And we're, we're lots of places. You can, you can subscribe to us pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I think we'll get to the point where you just say, just go to Google and type in Grave Plot Podcast. And or even better, go to graveplotpodcast.com. There's a subscribe link you can click on and just add us to any, whatever podcatcher you use. You'll find it there. Plus, you can just listen to the episodes right on the website if you like. Yeah. Plus, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and even Google Plus. All the links are right there on the homepage. Vote in the Remake Madness Tournament. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, take care, guys. Uh, we will catch up with you in a couple of weeks with a couple more hours of <laughs> us bullshitting. So. Uh, enjoyment. Yeah. So thank you for listening to the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Hey, we said it. Thanks, guys. Good night.